Welcome into Two Four Drafts, the Wednesday edition of Two Four Drafts. I'm Austin Gale with my guy Mike Renner. We've got a jam-packed show for you playing today. We are going to review a deep review of every NFC team, all 16 teams and their draft classes, looking at picks we change, biggest impact rookie, biggest hole remaining on the roster, and then an overall season outlook at what to expect from these rookies, setting expectations for every rookie or all the top rookies really for the NFC teams. We also got interviews on the back end. I inter- We interviewed Danny Kelly of the Ringer, who gave some good insight on the Seahawks picks, the Packers disaster, if you will. And then I also interviewed P- PFF's own Kevin Cole, who finally gave me a not PF running backs don't matter take, actually looked at opportunity for these running backs, what they'll, you know, setting expectations for them in terms of from a fantasy impact, which I thought was interesting. Mike, are you ready to rock and roll? (laughs) Bless me. Yes, I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's start with the NFC East, my friend, the the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles specifically. Let's start with the pick you change. And it's crazy because PFF has been one of the few that like the Jalen Hurts pick here. But you're saying you would change the Jalen Hurts pick. I would change the Jalen Hurts pick. Now, I'm saying I don't mind the Jalen Hurts pick. It's with Carson Wentz on that roster. I don't hate the fact that you go back of quarterback. You can recruit your value. I of, of the opinion, though, that their secondary is still rough outside of Darius Slay and Nickel Roby Coleman. Like, you still need that other corner. You got options, but I would like some safety. I would like some real you know, talent to go around there. And the worst thing that happens is you have multiple good corners to fill that spot. So I would have gone with Christian Fulton at that spot, the LSU cornerback. I just think he's a good guy to pair with Darius Slay, has good speed. You can, you know, as versatile in the coverage as he can run, showed that at LSU. I just think that would move the needle for you quicker than Jalen Hurts might. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I couldn't disagree here. I was thinking of another pick I changed, but like jail, changing Jalen Hurts out for Christian Fulton to get opposite of Darius Slay, I think would have a huge impact for this team. Let's talk about the biggest impact rookie. Who of the guys they did draft do you think is going to have the biggest impact in 2020? I don't think this one's close. I, I think Jalen Rager. I think he – I wouldn't even be surprised if Deshaun Jackson like his cut by the end of, you know, by the end of like preseason or by the end of training camp because Rager at this point in his career, just much more an explosive player. Now, Sean Jackson, obviously in his prime, I'm, I'm not saying Rager's going to be that, but almost, I think he's going to be 34 this year, Jackson coming off of like multiple injuries season after season. I don't think you can rely on him anymore. So I think Rager will see time early and often. And even if he's not putting up numbers, we'll still make an impact. I mean, Rager's going to light it up, I think, in this offense. I mean, he's going to be the only guy with, like, legitimate juice. I mean, obviously, they traded for Marquise Goodwin, but I, and I guess they added John Hyde. I mean, they every guy they speed. literally just added was Yeah, they had, was they had a ton of speed. Juice. No, no, I think they all have legitimate juice, but he'll be in the starting lineup, so I think he's going to have a pretty positive. What's your opinion? I want, I want to go back to the pick you changed, but changing out that Davian Taylor pick for one of the slot corners that went after, Darnay Holmes, Kayvon Wallace, I feel like that could have been some value for this team, or do you feel like they're kind of set there? Yeah, I mean, I would have. They already drafted Kayvon Wall, so I can't yeah. really change Kayvon Walls. <laughs> but fair, I do fair, think fair. that I do think that I would have loved more NFL Ray linebacker, but it was almost like a beggars can't be choosers. They went so so valuable positions their first two that I wasn't too bad about it. Davion Taylor, I don't, I'm not sure he's an upgrade, you know, over T.J. Edwards, over Nate Jerry. Like I, I'm not with where they got him though. You you didn't have a ton of options on the board, so he's more of a you Especially know, with the Keem Davis Gaither's like injury history, like kind of coming That's up. Late. Like I would have rather had Keem Davis Gaither. He's better on the football field right now, but we don't know that medical, and that's the you know very. That's what that was the reported reason he fell. Maybe even Troy died too, but like you're just not getting the same caliber athlete as Davian Taylor. Like he can do things other. Uh, yeah, I would like Troy die. I have like Troy die there better, but yeah. 
I think there's a chance Jalen Rager leads this team in targets and receptions next year. Like, I don't think that's that crazy. I know Alshon Jeffrey, you got, you got hopes for JJ Ortega Whiteside, but like, I could see Carson Wentz of the receivers he does have falling in love with Rager. No, that's, that would targets you said? Yes. No? Zach Ertz is going to lead the team in targets. Oh, no, fair. Okay, fair, fair, fair. I forgot about yeah. the tight end position. Right. Like, they, he's still, I mean, I still don't think he's going to be throwing deep that often. Like, I still think Rager is going to be like a, 50 catch guy max in this team like as a rookie I don't think he's going to necessarily be Terry McLaurin in that offense right away I think he's far closer to like DK Metcalf at best fair up with 50 something catches last year that's that to me is his his upshot that's that's not a bad shout all right biggest hole still on this roster I think it's linebacker like you're rolling out you Duke Riley TJ Edwards Nate Jerry Jatavis Brown Davian Taylor Sean Bradley that's not striking fear in anybody. Like now, linebacker's not a super valuable position, but that quite comfortably looks like their worst spot in the roster. Do you think it would have been smart to pass on Rager and maybe go after Patrick Queen at 21? I know I saw some Eagles fans that maybe thought that was a better pick. No, because no one else brings what Rager brings to the table. And now Queen we love. And, and I think that one's tough. I, I think you could bring maybe more immediate impact Patrick Queen to that defense in terms of value add because you're so bad at that position and you can find guys with some speed later on. They obviously drafted two guys who do have speed later on as well, but I'm not going to, at that point in time, like Rager's higher on our board too. So I would have gone Rager probably. There you go. All right. Set expectations for this rookie class. Sounds like you already kind of did with Rager, DK Metcalf type of opportunity with the Eagles. But and and do you think Jalen Hurts has a huge impact? I know they want to get creative with his usage. Do you think they get, you know, put it together a five, ten play package for him each game or what? I do. I think that they're going to put him on the field even when Carson Wentz is on the field and try to get something out of him in that regard. So I don't know if that's going to be super impactful. I think you got to be pretty creative and have a distinct sort of it doesn't always look right even when, you know, Sean Payton's doing it with, uh, gosh, Taysom. down in New Orleans. So I'm not sure that that's a massive, you know, value add for them. I will say, Kayvon Wallace in that secondary is the guy to keep an eye on in terms of instant impact. I think he sees the field in at least like a dime linebacker role, if not is a starting safety day one. Like Will Parks, Jalen Mills are the guys who kind of are there next to Rodney McLeod right now. Uh, Will Parks has been much more like a box guy throughout his career, not a great athlete. Jalen Mills, I mean, he's obviously not a great athlete either, and it was a cornerback, and I'm not sure you want him at either cornerback or safety. So I think Kayvon Wallace could actually step in right away there and be their starting safety. What, you know, To pivot a little bit, this is the two-for-one drafts podcast. What are your expectations for Andre Dillard in year two? So that's the thing. They they need that's the guys that didn't make necessarily an impact last year that they drafted and signed are the ones that I'm looking more towards being that, you know, what puts them over the hump this year. Andre Dillard replacing Jason Peters has to pick up where he left off. And then Malik Jackson, who I believe was injured majority of last year. I'm not even sure he played. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they need him to live up to the deal he signed uh, and, and give that, create that pressure on the interior. Because if you have him, Hargrave, Cox, Graham, Barnett, all playing at a high level, again, it's impossible for opposing offensive lines to stop. 
Yeah, I would agree with you there. All right, well, let's move forward here. Let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys and talk about their rookie draft class. One of our favorite drafts. I think it received an A-plus in PFF's article, the Draft Grades article. I put it here, pick, I change. Reggie Robinson, the cornerback out of Tulsa, they drafted, I think, in the third or fourth round for Curtis Weaver. Like, oh, I, yeah. they still need edge help. I think Curtis Weaver fell way too far, in my opinion. I, I think that would have been the pick for me if I was picking at, let's say, where it was, 123 when they picked Reggie Robinson of Tulsa. Yeah, so they kind of have options, but they do not have reliable options, let's say, in Alden Smith and Randy Gregory. Uh, they may not even see the field. You know, those sort of That's what they got right that, now that they're probably throwing out across from DeMarcus Lawrence. Tyrone Crawford has always been kind of better on the interior, in my opinion, than on the outside. I'm not sure where they line him up this year, but I do think that Weaver, much better player than Bradley and I, who they got in the fifth round much better player than guys like Joe Jackson, Dorrance Armstrong also on that roster. I, I would have liked to have seen that as well. Agreed. Like, I mean, I think it's night and day for Curtis Weaver and Bradley and I. All right, I put in here biggest impact rookie, and I know you have a different one, but Trayvon Diggs, and I think this could be positive or negative impact. And I just think he's going to be battle-tested. Like, Diggs is yeah. going to play a ton, and I think he could see – a lot of targets in 2020. Does he hold up? I, it's hard to have high expectations for a rookie cornerback and can be very difficult, especially with Trayvon Diggs' somewhat limited movement skills. But I think there are going to be very high expectations for him, and I think he could see a ton of targets. So I think he's going to have a good, a, a significant impact, positive or negative. Yeah, I just think that CD's the much better player, and right out the gate, we'll see time. And so I think he'll make the bigger impact. But both of them. I think both of them start from day one. I know they have Anthony Brown there, but I, I think with Dig's skill set, it's something very different than what Brown brings to the table. Agreed. Biggest hole, edge defender. I, I don't think yeah, Bradley and I – Yeah, pass rush. It just doesn't solve – like Bradley and I just doesn't solve that for you. I don't even know necessarily if Curtis Weaver would have either. I just think they still needed to address that position further. Yeah, I would also add tight end. Tight end is – Blake Jarwin's not moving the needle. Like I know I, they re-signed him, right, and I don't know – necessarily why they felt the need to give him a ton of money has never been good you know for them so uh, i think tight end was also a need but this wasn't the draft to go up and get one so i I don't blame them for not addressing it all right set some expectations for these rookies here i put in here cd lamb is going to eat my friend i mean they play a ton of they're going to play a ton of 11 personnel he's going to get involved play a ton of snaps and i think he's not going to see the same coverage that amari cooper will and i think he could steal some targets away from Michael Gallup very quickly. I, I just really do think CeeDee Lamb is going to have a ton of fun this upcoming season and see a good amount of volume. I agree. I really do. I think he goes for, if not a thousand yards close to it. And like you said, I think he gets more, I think he takes over Michael Gallup's role. And I know Gallup just went for a thousand yards last year, but I, I do truly believe CeeDee Lamb is that good, that NFL ready. And like I said, Mark Cooper's going to get the bulk of the cover. Like if you're rolling coverage, if you're trying to, you know, game plan for them, you're still going to, need to stop Amari Cooper. He still is very difficult to guard one-on-one, but that just is good for CeeDee Lamb because they were, he was getting the attention last year. Now he's not. I think another, you know, another thing to bring up, and I kind of mentioned it before, but just Diggs is going to get a ton of targets like that. I set expectations for that early on. Like Diggs is going to be battle tested next year. You have to hope he can pan out. I also, you know, I think Gallimore can outplay the expectations set for Malik Collins previously and even Tristan Hill, their most recent draft pick. Like I think he could be a very good disruptor on the interior defensive line. And the guy to watch, in my opinion, is Biotish. If he doesn't win the center job, I'd be a little worried because one Joe Looney's never been anything, any great shakes at center position. It, you, we had high expectations for Biotish and 
the best part about him is that I feel like he's NFL ready, like three years as a starter and an NFL sort of pro style running scheme. If he's not able to win that job right away, uh, he might not be as good a player as kind of like where we had him on, on our board. Cause like, he feels like a guy who should be, I don't want to say near his peak as an offensive lineman, but who should be able to contribute right away. And if he's not, if they don't see it that way, then, uh, he just might not have it. All right. Before we jump to the Giants, do you think they did enough in the secondary to where they're going to be able to cover in 2020? Like Trayvon Diggs, Reggie Robinson, like are, are they in a good place to be a good defense on the back end? That's the biggest question, and that's what has to change around. And you're just not going to be able to replace Byron Jones with one guy. It's going to have to be a little smoke and mirrors, a little bit scheme, all that. I don't think they did. I think this team, when you go, when you think about them having to face who they're going to have to face in the playoffs, you're going to have to face the 49ers. You're going to have to face the Saints. You're going to have to face maybe the Bucks. Teams that can throw the ball around the yard. Teams with good quarterbacks there. Uh, even now the Eagles in the NFC East with Jalen Rager. It's going to be difficult to stop. They might be playing some shootouts, but I do love their firepower offensively to hold up in those. You might, this might be, this might turn into a cover two team next year with how good their linebackers are going three deep there. If Leighton Vanderesh comes back healthy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them or I, I would consider that if I were the Cowboys. And I know Marinelli just left, but like that's where your strength is. You have freaky linebackers. Your cornerbacks are kind of eh, like play to your strengths there. So I'd, I'd be interested to see what kind of defense they're running next year. Yeah. All right. New York Giants pick. I put in here pick. I change and it, it's Shane Lemieux, the Oregon interior offensive lineman. They drafted kind of late for Tyler Johnson, who the Bucks I think, you know, got a steal with, I think in the fifth round. And I know the Detroit Lions have a ton of slot receivers and Tyler Johnson kind of projects us that, but I think Tyler Johnson can also win on the outside. Like I think the Giants could win with Tyler Johnson. I think that would have helped Danny Dimes more than what Shane Lemieux can do in 2020. Yeah, I I don't mind the Shane Lemieux picking again. If you're haggling over a fifth rounder, we yeah. probably thought you had a pretty good draft. Exactly. I would have changed though the the Matt Peart pick. I would have gone with Ben Barch there. And I know I know Barch fell because people don't necessarily consider him a tackle because he had 33 and like an eighth inch arm, so not ideal length for a tackle. I think he can hold up there. I and mean, the bigger thing is I don't think Peart has any versatility in terms of he can't kick inside this year. Like if, if someone gets injured, like you have Cameron Fleming there already who's a backup tackle, similar sort of ability, like Pert's not going to kick inside and be your guard, be your center. You got not a lot of talent. You know, it's really thin on the interior right now. That's obviously why they went Shane Lemieux. I would have coveted Barch for his sort of versatility to be the backup tackle, but also maybe fill in on the interior this year as a starter. Yeah, that's a good show. I mean, t- set the expectations for me for, for Danny Dimes in year two with Sterling Shepard, Cody Core. Corey Coleman, Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, like this kind of, I mean, I, I like Golden Tate and I think Darius Slayton had a good rookie year, but like, is that enough firepower at the receiving core for him to like, kind of like take a step forward next year? That's the thing. I, it, it's going to have to happen with the offensive line though. It has to, you got to, if they keep him super clean, you'll be able to know, I feel like if he's the guy or not, but this is a group full of kind of borderline two, three type of wide receivers. There's, there's not a single guy with number one type of wide receiver traits there in those, you know, between Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, unfortunately. So I, I will, uh, I would have loved to have seen them gotten one, like, but they would have had to been that fourth overall pick. And that's again, where they got the tack, the tackles were more rare than the Judy's and the lambs and of the world in this class. So I don't blame them for going that direction. So we'll see, but I, I do think it's, it's enough to get a good evaluation. Like if he really is not good, if it, it looks, if it looks the exact same as it looked last year, I, I think you know that 
I'd probably be willing to move on because the whole thing about him was he was NFL ready. Like that was Daniel Jones's thing in terms of like he had little things. He he knew how to run a play action fake. Like that was his sort of selling point. And so if it's not in year two, I don't, I'm not sure there's much to like improve upon. There's not much in terms of, you know, a next level he can get to with coaching. All right. Uh, I think that's a good transition to biggest impact rookie. You speak to keeping him clean. I think Andrew Thomas is going to have yes. some of the biggest impact on the team. Like him being able to keep Danny, Daniel Jones upright is going to be very important in 2020. I think he's going to start right out of the gate. And I think he could have good production early on. I know we spoke to that, like, you know, rookie offensive tackles rarely deliver above average play, but I think he could be at least average as a rookie. I'd be interested to see what they do between him and Solder in terms of where they play them. Because long term wise, like Solder's got a cap hit of nineteen and a half million this year, twenty and a half next year. Odds are if you, if they cut him next year, they save fourteen million dollars cap space. Odds are they're cutting him next year. Like they, they, he's not gonna be on the roster in twenty twenty one. So do you flip your guy who you just drafted top five that's gonna be hopefully your tackle for the next decade? Do you flip him to right tackle or do you say, hey Nate Solder uh, if you want your $20 million this year, you're going to have to go flip to the right side and learn a new position. I- I'm just curious to see what they do with that. Now, we would say, actually, I'd probably say keep Thomas at left tackle because that's what he did. And you want that guy, that development to be the easiest. Now, it's not going to be necessarily an easy switch for either of them, but I am curious to see where they go in that route. I would bet because of Matt Pert playing on the right side that they get flip Thomas to the left side and say Solder, go to the, go to the right. I think that's not a bad shout. Um, biggest hole remaining in this uh, uh, for this Giants team? Pass rush. And now we said, don't go reach for pass rushes in this class. It's not the one to do it. They, they had some options on the board uh, there in the second round, but I, I was, in terms of guys, we would have, like, Julian Aquara was still there that I would have considered a good value there. But where they went with McKinney, he was much higher than Aquara on the board. So no argument there. Aquara didn't last to them. Uh, in the third round where they pick and we're right at the end of it. So uh, I, I don't blame them for not addressing it, but that's still obviously their biggest need. All right. Season outlook, setting expectations for these rookies. I put in here, I think Andrew Thomas is going to have a huge, I mean, be a huge help early on. I also think Xavier McKinney is going to produce, you know, because he's going to have a ton of opportunity early playing in kind of a versatile role for this defense. And last thing here is I think Darnay Holmes is going to be, it's going to be a transition for him to work in the slot more, but I'm not convinced he can't hit the ground running because I know he's a super smart kid. I think, yes, it'll be a new role for him, but like he has all the athletic tools and the wit to play at a high level in the slot. If they do choose to kind of you know play him there early and start him there early yeah i'll be interested to see how this uh secondary shakes out because mckinney love and, and julian love who was the starter by the end of the year last year at safety kind of have a similar skill set in that uh they're not pure speed guys in the back end they don't cover a lot of ground and jabril peppers is i mean jabril peppers is a box safety he's not a deep guy either they don't have like a true deep safety uh obviously joe judge coming over Runs a lot of. I'm gonna, I'm guessing he's gonna run run a lot of single high coverages the way Belichick does. That tree with that edge rushing group, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of three man rushes from the Giants this year. Oh wow! And, and do that sort of like, we're just gonna take the edge rushers out of the equation and just let Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence. That's our pass rush. Those are the guys rushing and passer for us. Eight man coverages every time. I, I wouldn't be surprised. That was, I mean, that was the the Lions strategy last year. They ran a like. Oh, the, by far the most three-man rushes in the NFL. So we'll see how that goes. I, I just think 
it, it comes down to the offense. So the offense has to be better and it has to be Daniel Jones just has to take the next step or else they're SOL. On to the Washington Redskins. I couldn't agree more with the pick you highlighted. You changed like Antonio Gibson. We liked Antonio Gibson, but they drafted him almost too highly for us to like the pick. Like we liked him at, at, you know, yeah. later in the draft. Like I think it was 66. Like that's 66. just too early for Antonio Gibson. I think you have here, you subbed him out for Josh Jones. Yeah. I mean, we talk about the Packers giving Aaron Rodgers the middle finger. Like that was a straight middle finger pick to Dwayne Haskins. Like, hey, we want you to hand the ball off more. We're not gonna, we're not gonna give you a left tackle. We're not gonna give you, you know, some help at guard. We're gonna give you another running back, a third running back here. Uh, I, Josh Jones just would have been the pick there. Like, you're you're trotting out Cornelius Lucas this year to protect protect Dwayne Haskins' blindside. That's not gonna be good. Like, that's just not gonna end well uh, for you. So. Not sure the thought process there, but that's not where I would have gone. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I can't agree more. All right, biggest impact rookie, do we even need to talk about it? I mean, like Chase Young is going to start. He's going to probably play, you know, barring hells, over 800 snaps, and I could see him having eight-plus sacks in year one. Like, that's how good this guy is. (laughs) I think he will. So easily that one. All right, biggest hole remaining on this roster, and why is it quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there. Fair, no, fair. I mean they need it, it's help for yes. Dwayne Haskins, and that's and so here, I have a take there too. It, it's help for Dwayne Haskins, obviously, so he can succeed. But it's also help for Dwayne Haskins, so you know if you so you can find out if he's good. Like find out if he's good early in his career. Like like kind of what the Denver Broncos did with what with, with Drew Locke, two wide receivers with their first two picks, Albert Okui Boonham. Like they through resource at the receiver and t- you know, even the tight end position in addition because it would needs, but also to like really find out if Drew Locke has it early on. I don't think they did that with this class. Again, he needs help. Yes. And honestly, I, I had this take on one of our recaps we did like with how rough the talent is around him offensively. You just have Terry McLaurin. You got a bottom 10 offensive line in the NFL and you have a running back position. That's I don't know, solid, but no tight end whatsoever. Like Dwayne Haskins could be a solid starting quarterback in the NFL and you still would have a bottom five offense with the talent around him right now. It's just not going to be good. And so there's a chance that Dwayne Haskins plays well, but they don't perform well overall and and therefore potentially move on from him because like expectations were set based in wins, not necessarily like his play. And I think it's just going to be very difficult to see if Dwayne Haskins is good with this supporting cast. Like he can't throw to Terry McLaurin every play. Yeah. And and so, I do think that, I mean, I think they'll be in the running for top two picks next year. And if that's the case, then they definitely should be moving on from Haskins. I, I mean, no, nothing against Haskins, but he ain't. What, he got dealt Trevor a bad hand Justin very Fields similar. I mean, he, Dwayne Haskins got dealt a bad hand very similar to Josh Rosen in that he went from a bad, you know, bad supporting cast. No, he's in a bad supporting cast, and they're not doing enough to help him to the point where they were likely going to move on from him before they actually find out if he's good. Like, I mean, he's still a very young player, too. I think he was, what, 20 years old last year? And, like, still, like, this – you, I I am 100% with you that the Washington Redskins could be picking in the top three next year. Like, that would not surprise me in the slightest. And for that reason, they could pull a Josh Rosen on him and move on very quickly. And I think that – you know, that concerns me for Dwayne Haskins' development. Obviously, you hope for the player to kind of improve in the NFL. But, again, I think they put him in a bad spot to really – 
really succeed. And it was a big yeah. reason why we, you know, we told them, you know, not told them, but like we suggested that they go after Tua at two or trade down. Mm-hmm. Haskins actually isn't that young. He turns 23 in a few days here. So. Oh, I thought he was a younger player. super young. I think I've been pushing that narrative all offseason. Damn, <laughs> I, I, need, I, need to, I need to reel back those takes. All right, season outlook for this rookie class. Talk to me about the Washington Redskins. Yeah, I mean, after young, I'm not sure you're going to get much. Like if Sadiq Charles starts – could get ugly. Nice. <laughs> he wasn't even that good in college last year. So that's a, that's that that's a project. Uh, Gibson's a solid running back, but does he take carries away from Geis? Like I think he's insurance policy for your starters more at this point, and maybe like matchup weapon. I'm not sure he's unseating either of those guys at the top. Gandy Golden, I bet starts, but I'm I, I'm not sure he's NFL ready, and I'm not sure you're going to get you know high level play out of it. I'm not sure he's going to be any better than what you saw from Kelvin Harmon last year. I, we had them as you know similar. Uh, prospects coming out in terms of the range I would have drafted each. So we'll see. I, I just Like I said, I don't think after Chase Young you're getting much. All right, moving to the NFC West. Is I will say, though, Reuben Foster, can't wait to see him play football again. Is he going to play football this year? I think so. He was oh, hurt man. last year. I, mean, I, I wasn't sure if, like, suspensions were still looming. Again, that was not meant to be a joke. Like, I honestly don't know if suspensions are still looming for that guy. But, like, I always go back to, like, he was awesome on the football field at Alabama and and the limited time he played with the San Francisco 49ers. Like, to see him play football again, I agree, would be pretty spectacular. All right. San Francisco 49ers. And so we did this exercise before the podcast, like looking at picks we changed. I think of all of them, I really like this one for the 49ers, changing out their pick of Colton McKivitz on day three for Bryce Hall, the Virginia cornerback, because I think he fits their scheme well. I think he's a very good player coming off a bad injury that he should rally from. And I think they need help in the secondary. Like this is one of my better, better value adds, in my opinion, from a swap standpoint. Yeah, I don't think I really would have necessarily changed the first rounders. I might have thrown in... LaVisca over Ayuk, or I might have just stood pat and taken whichever one fell to me. But yeah. I, but LaVisca, I get that the injury history is a real concern there and that you don't want to be taking a chance on him uh, when you have a roster that good. So, uh, like I said, no no huge disagreement there, but I do like yours of Colton McKivitz to Bryce Hall. I mean, at 153 to get Bryce Hall, who I think could start very soon. I think he's going to start for the Jets. I, feel I like, like that the better been... prospect than... Keller Witherspoon when he was coming out. So yeah, not that Keller Witherspoon's been good either. So yeah, we know that. Uh, biggest impact rookie I put here, Javon Kinlaw, because I think he has better. This is aggressive, but I think he might have better pass rushing upside than Buckner, and have inserted in that role. I, I think he can make plays very early. Don't say upside one, but two. Fair, fair, fair. Yes, he. So he graded out better in college as a pass rusher. He's more athletic, just pure heuristic, just pure my like. What I see, obviously, we didn't get like testing numbers on him, but it's not like DeForest Buckers are great, and he's much bigger as a defensive tackle. So I can get on board with that take. I'm not sure he's as NFL ready though. Like Buckner was very Fair. proficient in college in terms of maximizing his physical skill set. Kinlaw still a ways away, so he might. Yeah, struggle. His tools are pretty rough. Yeah, he might he might struggle out the gate. So I'm going to go with Ayuk. I think you can at least scheme the ball into Ayuk's hands, and then that's a big difference between him. And what Jalen Hurd brings to the table after the catch and what uh, the Washington receiver brings to the table after the catch that I was never a big fan of. That I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Help me. Help Dante me. Pettis? Yes. There we go. He, he's just better after the catch than those guys. So we'll see if he makes an impact, if he's thrown into the starting role. But I, I think he will be with just that dynamic ability. 
All right, biggest hole remaining. You have your right guard, but I don't know how you could not say secondary. I like Richard Sherman. He had a good year this past year, but I still think they need help opposite of him. Like, I don't love Akella Weatherspoon. You can't count on Jason Verrett, Jason Verrett playing, really. And I think, you know, Jimmy Ward played well. I don't love Jaquiski Tart there. Like, I still think they need help in coverage, specifically Kawan Williams graded well in bursts. But, like, again, I think they should have thrown maybe some more resource in the secondary. Yeah, I would have liked more resources, and that's they got Tim Harris from last year, who I actually kind of liked coming out. Oh yes, I forgot about he's like fifty, right? He's an older yeah, player. He's old, he was twenty four coming out. He had like multiple ACL injuries. His tape that's was great though. Like I like his tape. Was tape. Good. Uh, it was not quite as good as Hall's, Bryce Hall's, but like he was more athletic than Hall. Uh, Mosley's all right. Like yes, they could stand to do better there. I, I agree, but. I mean, right guard just like they got nobody right now. Daniel Brunskill gonna throw in there. Tom Thompson, no Ben Garland. Who are they gonna throw in there? (laughs) McKivitz right away. So that's why I say right guard. But I do worry. Like I do worry about this secondary because a lot of it was Richard Sherman being Richard Sherman last year. Like that, they were pumped up by Richard Sherman being the best cornerback in the NFL last year. He's 32 now. Like there's no. There's no you know, sure thing that, one, he's the same guy he was last year, just in terms of, like, when he's on the field, completely healthy, being the same guy at that age. Like, it starts to go, and we saw it with Darrell Revis. Like, Darrell Revis lost it overnight almost. Like, he was went from one of the best in the NFL to just bad. So, at that's and that's the age it starts to go. And, two, just health. Like, that's the age where injuries also are far more likely. So, they lose him. All of a sudden, it could go from, you know, one of the best defenses in the NFL to scary pretty quickly. All right. Season outlook for these rookies here. Set expectations. I put in here, Ayuk is going to feast. I think he's going to get a ton of targets. I think Shanahan is excited. Obviously, he traded up for him. Shanahan is excited to feed him the ball, similar that he did for Debo Samuel. I already said, mentioned about Javon Kinlaw playing well along that defensive line. And I also added this. I think, man, without Marquise Goodwin, and yeah, Jalen Hurd, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, like, I think this is going to be a lot of dink and dunk. Like, this is going to be yards after Juwan Jennings. Like, this is yards after the catch. That's how we're going to win in 2020. It'll be interesting to see who's going to take the top off for this team. I disagree. I, I don't think so. Now, they didn't have him last year, really, and they still generate explosive plays. Now, they do love their screen game and love to get the ball in their hands early. But I still think the big plays will be there down the field. Like fourth, Brandon Ayuk their slowest wideout, and he ran a four five. Like you got okay. Ayuk four five, Debo four four eight. Juwan Jennings, I think, is their slowest wideout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But the slowest guy is going to see the starting lineup, and then four five is a deep threat in the NFL still. If you're explosive, if you can jump, if you can get off line of scrimmage and like that's fair. shift gears, if you can like lull a guy to sleep and what then get going. About Travis Benjamin, is that also Juwan Jennings and Travis Benjamin are together, and like what is is an interesting. Wide receiver group. They got some receivers, some interesting receivers on this. And team. then obviously Chris George Kittle can get down the field as well for himself. So he ran like four or five one or something. He's fast too. So. It'll be interesting to see how Brandon you kind of become see if they do try and make him that vertical threat in this offense because you do see some of that on his tape where he's able to kind of really beat you know beat receivers down the football field on go routes and those things. Yeah, but dude, like, so I have a take that I need to get off my chest about deep mm-hmm. threats. I kind of just touched on it there. It's not about necessarily just how fast you can go in a straight line. It's about how much you can like vary your speed because a lot of times you, it's about you being like neck and neck with the cornerback, but then stack it, like getting over the top of him because with me, like a combination like strength and explosiveness, it's just being fast. If you, if when a guy gets his hands on you, you don't have anything to, you know, fight through those hands. You don't have any power in you to fight through those hands. You're not going to stack the guy. You're not going to stack the corner. You're not going to get past him. 
And so speed Backing I, might be as important as, you know, actual vertical speed, like being yeah. able to kind of get through that contact, you know, midway through the route is super important in order to kind of get that actual separation down the football field. Yeah. And so like, that's why pure speed, all these guys fall in love with it, but that's not really how getting open deep works in the NFL. I'll say. All right. Moving on to the Seattle Seahawks. Picks you change. I put all of them LOL in our notes, but I mean, I didn't love a lot of these picks. And I, I was going to change the Jordan Brooks pick, but I think talking to Danny Kelly, which you guys will listen to later, and also you, like you, you rave about him fitting their scheme, like where he's going to have success is in Seattle. Call it a reach. It was the biggest reach on the consensus board, according to Arif Hassan. I ended up switching out Daryl Taylor for Josh Jones. Like I still think they need to help at offensive line, specifically offensive tackle. And I know Josh Jones can kick inside if you need him to. He's, you saw that at the senior bowl, like just throw resource more resources at this offensive line especially compared to daryl taylor i think josh jones is the better player overall too i switched that a little bit and i i love josh jones they could have gotten him actually with the damian lewis pick also um but i I think that if you're going to like stick kind of at that positional group if you're going to go attack your pass rush which they needed i would have gone aj epinesa there like aj epinesa while not a great athlete he's about He's about in the same realm of athleticism as LJ Collier, who they drafted last year. They're in the same like they're in the same percentile. I don't know the exact percentile, but it's about similar in terms of how they tested. But AJ Epinesa was a much much better college player and younger, much like two years. I think he's still probably a year younger than LJ Collier, like three, oh, wow. two or three years younger than LJ Collier. But they, I don't think they could have gotten away with drafting out. like another really bad athlete. I don't That's know. the thing. It, it could have been rough. Is they probably would have gotten roasted for that, but I would have gone up and us there. If we're drafting edge defenders and need help there, that's who I would have taken. All right. Biggest impact rookie. I put this cause it was my favorite pick, but I can see Jordan Brooks having a bigger impact than this guy because I think, you know, playing his position, I think has a bigger impact, but Damian Lewis, I think is going to play really well in year one. I think he's very NFL ready. You're going to, it's going to be very difficult to bull rush Damian Lewis. I think he's going to stand up well in pass protection for this team. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I think Damian Lewis will have the biggest impact. Yeah, DJ Fluker in at right guard last year. They just caught him. I'd rather have Damian Lewis in there. Than, I think Damian Lewis is going to be a better player than DJ Fluker was. Now, Jordan Brooks could. I, I just I don't want that. I think I don't know if they'll have learned their lesson from last year, but they played like twice as much base as anyone else in the NFL, yes. three linebackers. Is he going to be in their nickel packages? Like, is he going to be when they do – take a linebacker off the field. Is it going to be him or is it going to be KJ Wright who comes off the field? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I probably him. I mean, I'd rather have KJ Wright in there, but we'll see. Uh, biggest hole remaining for this team, offensive line, edge defender still, even with Daryl Taylor? Yeah, I, I think edge defender. Like LJ Collier, Bruce Irvin, Rasheem Green, Alton Robinson, Darrell Taylor, Benson Mayoa. It's not good. It's not a good group. Like if you're ranking that, compared to the rest of the NFL, bottom three, and like in terms of just what they're going to yeah. generate from a pressure perspective, that's still the worst. And like edge defenders, especially guys drafted in the second round, second and third round, day two guys, rarely hit the ground running. It's just so rare because teams teams can tell. Like it's an easy position to scout. If a guy's athletic and wins at college level, it's going to it's a good chance he's going to win at the NFL level. So the yeah. second rounders, there's a reason they fall and usually – majority of them don't hit the ground running. 
All right, setting expectations for these rookies in the Seahawks team. I put in here, I think Damian Lewis can start early, offer, you know, you know, strong production early in his career. I think Brooks, you're going to see good plays against the run. I think you're going to see those highlights when he's flying around the football. And then I would, I also put in here temper expectations for Taylor. I know he was drafted inside the top 50, probably will see a lot of opportunity early, but I, you watch some of his tapes against some of the better offensive tackles he played. It, he just rarely won. And I think you've said this before, but like how much better is he going to get? I, some parts of his tape make you feel like he's capped out and with that being said I don't know if they're I don't know I I, I get nervous about you know projecting mm-hmm. him as like one of the better pass rushing edge defenders in year one yeah I, I'm not sure that he makes much of an impact I, I think I, I'm not sure that Jordan Brooks is going to be a big difference from what they had in Michael Kendricks last year in terms of what he brings to the table the interesting sort of intriguing guys to me are the tight ends you know, they have Greg Olson but he's Old, we'll just say at this point. Did any of them see the field? Like Steven Sullivan, Colby Parkinson, big wingspan dudes, tall guys. Uh, Steven Sullivan's like a freak athlete and what he brings to the table. I'd be interested to see if either of those guys make an impact. I'm not sure they will, but they're better than Jacob Hollister, I think. All right. Los Angeles Rams. I, I put both their second round picks. I'm changing regardless. I, 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 Cam Akers and Van Jefferson for, I put like Willie Gay, Jonah Jackson. I would have loved this draft if they came away with those two guys at, at the top of the second round. I know you put in here as well, maybe changing out one of those picks for Ezra Cleveland. Like I like any, any two of those three guys in for those two picks. So obviously we could say Josh Jones for like every team in the second round of who we would have taken. But I do think if you're looking for a guy fits their scheme who has, who can contribute right away, but also then replace Andrew Whitworth in time. Cause Andrew Whitworth a zillion years old at this point, like it, there's no way he's going to continue to be a solid left tackle in the NFL. Just like history says, it's not going to happen when you hit around 40 years old. It's just, no one's done it before. So I do think Ezra Cleveland is your, quintessential developmental tackle, but he could have slotted in right away, athletic enough to fit that scheme, uh, slotted in right away in the interior, that is. So that one, that's where I would have gone instead of at least the Cam Akers pick. Van Jefferson, I get he's NFL ready, and like you feel good about what he brings to the table immediately for your offense. I just don't think it's ever going to be anything special that he brings to the table. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, biggest impact rookie. I put Terrell Burgess. Maybe that's mm-hmm. just a bias because I, I love that guy and I think he could play really well. And also, I also want to bring that. I'll bring this up when we set expectations. But I kind of like this Rams secondary. Am I crazy? But like, I don't know. But Terrell Burgess, I think, could have a big impact playing the slot next year. I just need to see David Long win one, yes. one of those cornerback jobs. That will be that will make my day. But yeah, I think. I think Terrell Burgess at least plays slot for them, I think, right off the gate. I think that's where he's, like, NFL-ready enough. Cam Akers will obviously probably get the bulk of the carries, but I I thought Terrell Henderson was better for their scheme. I don't know. They obviously hated Henderson last year, but, man, I I, I don't know what they're going to – how the running back room is going to shake out, but I think either way, I don't think either are going to be that productive, unfortunately, with that offensive line. So, so yeah, I can get on board with Burgess being the biggest impact. All right, uh, season outlook, setting expectations for these rookies. I, I said O-line's going to suck. Like, interior offensive line was not addressed, and I think it could be similarly bad. I think Rob Havenstein regresses back towards the mean a bit and plays a bit better than he did last year. But Cam Akers at least is well aware of how to play behind a bad offensive line, so maybe he has sure. some good success early on. I don't know. So I put in here, I don't know how much Van Jefferson adds a different skill set for this group. Like, you know, you have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Reynolds, and then Van Jefferson. Like, I'm still looking for a little – a little who more goes downfield. Yeah, yeah. This is I'm the one for- where you said the uh, 49ers who goes downfield. This is the one where I'd actually be worried about who goes downfield in this offense. 
Yeah, I, I am very much worried. Greg Dorch, I remember him grading out well at the collegiate level. Like, maybe he delivers. But, like, again, like Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, Reynolds, and Woods. Like, I just don't see a lot of downfield opportunity. And that kind of scares me for this Rams team. And But, yeah, that's what I have here. But then to mention the secondary again, like Terrell Burgess graded well at Utah. I like the pick. You got Jalen Ramsey. Taylor Rapp is another guy that graded really well. Sheryl Tackler. John Johnson. Troy Hill. D.A. Williams uh, is another guy that's graded well. I think he played at UAB. And then David Long. Like, a lot of guys at PFF light are on this team specifically in the secondary i'm interested to see how it all comes together in 2020 yeah the defense is the interesting thing i think linebacker is quite easily um their biggest they have leonard floyd at inside linebacker according Do to Alex, there's no way yeah <laughs> is, I, I don't, kenny I don't young think will play there kenny young will play there kenny young mikey kaiser i like clay johnson actually him in the seventh round i think was a good get the baylor linebacker so we'll see i just don't think you're going to get close to wake off Corey littleton last year Corey littleton was legit good and so i don't think you're going to get that and then it's the golf thing like golf behind a bad o-line i don't see how it's going to work and especially now that you took away that deep threat like that that's Probably the biggest thing there is that Van Jefferson, he's kind of fast, but he's never been a deep threat. He got five deep catches all last year. Mm-hmm. This guy's not – that's not where he wins, and you have really now no one that wins at that level. So this – I don't I don't see where they've improved as a roster, the Rams here. You know, it's one of those things where they they, they regressed last year. Where point, point me to where they're better this year than they were last year sort of thing. Yeah. All right, Arizona Cardinals, picks you change. Go. Arizona Cardinals, the pick I changed. So go went with Rashard Lawrence in the fourth round. He's just to me, he's just interior D line depth. That one was like the oh crap, we we forgot about D tackle in the fourth. They're in the fourth round. They're like forgot about D tackle. We we not that good there. So let's go Fosu and let's go Rashard Lawrence. Let's go the top two guys on our board, even if like that really wasn't great value for either at that point in the draft. And I thought there were better players, so I would have gone. Curtis Weaver at that point mm-hmm. in the fourth round would be very good value by our board. And, and they don't have anyone across from Chandler Jones at the moment. Zach Allen's more of an interior guy. I always thought coming out of BC. So we'll see. I don't know. I just don't think those DTs are moving the needle for you. Yeah, no, I agree. Grabbing Lecky Foto and Rashard Lawrence was interesting. I think they could have got better at other positions. Like, like you said, edge defender with Curtis Weaver, offensive tackle, Jack Driscoll of Auburn. All right. Biggest impact rookie. I put DeAndre Hopkins as a joke. Obviously he's not a rookie, but they traded the second rounder for him. Isaiah Simmons is going to have the biggest impact. Like, I think he's going to play a lot. I think they're going to ask him to do a lot of things. I know I saw that tweet where he's going to play off ball linebacker, but I still think from like an alignment standpoint, it's not going to be traditional base linebacker alignment. Like he's going to get up at the line of scrimmage. I think he'll play deeper than other linebackers. I still think they're going to get creative. Vance Joseph is going to get creative with his usage. He has to. I like. I think Eric had the best take on that sort of report. If I'm going to, you know, implement a new, brand new scheme in a brand new role, I tell everybody in April, sort of thing. No, like no one. That's not what you're not going to tip your hand if you're going to yeah. actually do that. You just say he's a linebacker for us. End the story. And. Then you go about and actually, you know, deploy him differently once the season comes about. But like, you don't have to tell everybody, oh, we're going to use him in the Swiss Army knife role. He's going to be here and then there. It's like, no, you don't. You kind of just, you play the cards close to the vest if you're in a role like that. So I, I agree that I don't think that means anything at this point. All right. Biggest hole to fill for Arizona. Biggest hole to fill for the Cardinals. I, I still think their interior offensive line just needs some like depth because of how 
off injured these guys are. Like Pew can't make it through a season healthy. Sweezy can't make it through a season healthy. And frankly, they're not great to begin with. So I thought into your offensive line now, Josh Jones might slot in there to begin with instead of, you know, at right tackle for Marcus Gilbert. So that might not be the biggest issue. Um, I think defensive tackle though is still, still a problem there for them. I, I don't, I don't love their options in the fourth round. Like I said, it felt like, oh, oh shit, we forgot about our, this big need at DT. Let's go address it. But I don't love Jordan Phillips. I don't love Corey Peters. Like they have a bunch of names, but they don't have actual, you know, quote unquote, actual real talent there. And I think tight end as well, but I'm not sure that offense is really going to covet that. So. True. Uh, all right. Season outlook, set expectations. Notes I have here. DeAndre Hopkins can dominate. Not a rookie, but still an addition for the second round pick. Isaiah Simmons. So someone said recently, I don't know if it was you, it could have been, but like you're only as fast as you're like, your off-ball linebackers, and I feel like Isaiah Simmons just brings the speed of the defense. I did not say up. that. That's a wild statement. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I feel like the defense. So, like, if you do have like you very slow or unathletic off-ball linebackers, like teams are going to constantly pick on that weakness. Yeah. And I think having Isaiah Simmons brings the speed up and it, and allows you kind of mitigate that mm-hmm. weakness where they maybe had it. I think Josh Jones obviously was a huge win, and Evan Weaver, late-round pick, the Cal off-ball linebacker, will die for this team. Talk about a special teams monster! I'm super excited to see Evan Weaver bleed his own blood for the Arizona Cardinals yeah. for on his rookie contract. Oh man! So this the Cardinals to me are a great example of the draft is the, the draft the, the impact of a draft class is in year two. Because I don't, as good as we love, as much as we love their first and third round picks, for them to actually take that next step, it's going to come from Kyler Murray, Andy Isabella, Zach Allen, Byron Murphy, Jalen Thompson, those guys who are all in the starting lineup or in a role that they should receive some playing time, all of them taking the step forward. Because if they do that, that's when we're talking about Cardinals, a real deal playoff contender in the NFC West, you know, real a real threat to the 49ers. Those guys don't do that. They're the Cardinals kind of we saw last year, which is like a, a nice team, fun team to watch, not not a real threat. So the, the second, 19 class is the bigger thing here. I'm not sure. Uh, I will say, though, I think Josh Jones, if they do kick him inside and he starts there, I think you're going to get a real good player from day one. All right, we are on to the fun stuff here. The Green Bay Packers of the NFC North. A pick side change, <laughs> and I think you could have gone a lot of different ways here. I'm not going to change the Jordan Love pick. I, I think it was one of their better picks. I'm not going to do it. Like, if they want to go get the quarterback for the future, whatever, motivate Aaron Rodgers, fine. Where I had bigger problems is day two. I traded A.J. Dillon for Willie Gay Jr. and then Josiah DeGara for either Darryl, Darnell Mooney or John Hightower to give this offense some speed. What is your opinion of that? I, I really like those picks over the ones they made. They had, I mean, they had a really easy sort of, the, the single easiest what pick I would have changed in the entire draft because... 20, I mean, the pick after A.J. Dillon was Willie Gay. Like, the, the guy they that was the bigger impact to their football team, the more talented player in a more valuable position, was the very next pick. So that one was easy. Um, that one I easily would have changed. Now it would have changed probably a lot other of the other picks in their draft as well. Yes. But that one was the most obvious. I mean, it's that easy, man. I mean, Willie Gay would have been awesome for this Packers defense, and I think adding Mooney as well would have added some speed change to yeah. the receiving core. All right, biggest impact – I struggled, man. Like, it's not going to be Jordan Love, obviously. I don't know necessarily it's going to be A.J. Dillon. Like, he's going to be be playing behind, at least you think, Josh, uh, not Josh Jones, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I put Josiah DeGara because I think he'll play fullback and start. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, but again, how much impact can a fullback have? This was a tough one. This was tough. (laughs) To me, it's not tough. That's their biggest impact rookie. Like, he very much is the guy who's going to see 
one, the most playing time. Two is actually going to, you know, feasibly move the needle in the passing game. I kind of like him in a fullback role. Third round is not where I draft him. I think he's going to be a darn good fullback in the NFL, though. But, dude, <laughs> to, to say the fullback you drafted in the third round is your biggest impact rookie, just like, what are we doing? Sucks. Here? I mean, that is rough. Biggest hole still for this Green Bay Packers team. Biggest holes, wide receiver. I mean, the hole that literally people had sharpied, every single one. Like, you couldn't go through the first two rounds and say that they were going to ignore wide receiver. They were just, that was impossible, right, going into this. Because look at what they have here. So Devonta Adams, they're easy number one. Devin Funches, the guy who just got hurt, always never kind of quite lived up to expectations in Carolina. Um, he's their number two, whatever. Marcus Valdez-Gantling has a, just awful ball skills. Fast, no ball skills. He's he's kind of run his course in terms of what uh, – I don't even think Aaron Rodgers was willing to target him by the end of last season. Equinemia St. Brown, eh, maybe he's healthy this year and turns it back on. He also was a sixth-rounder and never you know showed anything when he was healthy. And then Alan Lazard, the UDFA, who made like two, two nice catches last year. What are you banking on here? This is not – it's not good. That's all I'll say. Man. Tough season outlook. I, I don't think this draft class honestly affects them that much. However, I do think with the picks they made, their offense is going to look very different. Like I do believe that Matt LaFleur is going to buy into like this San Francisco 49ers type of offense where two tight ends and a fullback, you only have Funches and Devontae Adams at receiver. And it's going to turn this offense is going to be something like Aaron Rodgers honestly hasn't played in. And I think that scares me, like not necessarily the players they picked, but this like entire like philosophy change offensively I think is going to have some growing pains like to say the least yeah I don't that's the thing is they they want Rodgers to be a point guard-esque just like get the ball where it's going where it needs to go don't don't try to make the big play and Rodgers is kind of that's not Rodgers like they want him to be a singles hitter okay this is a better analogy they want him to be a singles hitter and Rodgers can't help but swing for the fences yeah, Rogers just is going to strike out a lot. That's who he is. But he's also going to hit just some 500 foot moonshots, and you're going to be like, "Holy shit, that was awesome!" And they're trying to reel that in, but I don't think you're going to. Like, I just I think he's too far gone at this point in his career. The only thing that would have helped him was some guys tipping him some pitches and getting him to hit more moonshots, which would have been like wide receivers in this dumb analogy that I'm still holding on to. So <laughs> um, they didn't do that. So I don't think it's going to necessarily look great, but. I'd be gladly to be glad to be proven wrong. I mean, so here, I also added this, like not a lot of these rookies are going to play. Like I said, Josiah DeGar might have the biggest impact while Jordan Love sits on the bench and AJ Dillon plays behind two already productive running backs. I'll say this as well. Like, so Aaron Rodgers obviously isn't, you know, the singles guy to use your analogy, but is Jordan yes. Love a singles guy? Is Jordan Love like a guy that wants to hit singles? Like that's another guy that wants to swing for the fences with all his arm talent. Uh, no, he's things. much more of a singles guy than Rodgers was. I think okay. he's much more willing to play within structure than Rodgers right. is and like throw to where the ball is supposed to be going. Now he's like his timing and whatnot is not great, but I, he, he didn't take sacks at like Utah State. That was probably his biggest you know, positive is the dude almost never took sacks in that offense. So we'll see. All right. Minnesota Vikings picks you change. I think the DJ Wanham pick was the hugest opportunity or the biggest yeah. opportunity to like make a change here. Oh. You just, wow. Uh, I put either Kevin Wallace or Logan Stenberg even just to help the interior offensive line. I thought I would have liked that change there. 
Yeah, I think they'd slot Cleveland in on the inside, or actually maybe even move Riley Reef inside right away. Okay. I don't know. They can't throw out offline, right? Maybe no, they I, will. I think they could. <laughs> they, they could. Damn, they could. All right, but yeah, I, I do agree though that Wanham just lower on him. Like he's a project, whatever, athletic dude. I did not like him at the Senior Bowl. Oh, no, yeah, he looked bad at the Senior Bowl. He did not, and that's where. That's where kind of like scheme and what you're asked to do in college kind of gets equal playing fielded. Like there's no excuse to just be losing one on one the way he did. So, um, I don't love that pick. Yeah. I would have probably changed it for Kayvon Wallace. They are thin at safety after Anthony Harris on a one year deal, kind of get a little forward thinking at that position, even a guy who could be your slot cornerback from day one also. So that's where I would have gone. All righty then. Biggest impact rookie. I put in here Justin Jefferson because I think he's going to get a ton of targets. Like, I think Kirk Cousins is going to fall in love. Okay. I, I think Gladney. I think he has to be for them. He's been tested. Like, he he should hit the NFL ready. Been four years at TCU. Been just heaved the ball at it. I tweeted out the stat on draft night. But he has him compared to the other first-round cornerbacks had like 40 more career targets. The, the next closest one was Damon Arnett. Dude, battle twice tested. Twice as many as Okuda. Like he has been just thrown at. And so you, you at that point, you know kind of what you're getting more so. And so I do think he should be NFL ready. But I, I like Jefferson as well in terms of impact. He's going to get a lot of targets too. There's no one else fighting for targets really in that offense right now. I mean, Adam Thielen, but yeah, I, I mean, I think. Um, what like after those two and then, yeah. Yep. All right. Biggest hole. I interior offensive line pass rush. Like I like Daniel Hunter, but opposite of him, I don't know how confident I am in the other guy. I can't pronounce his name. I'm not going to try. Oh, Denningbo. Yes, that guy. And then interior offensive line. Like if they're trotting out elf line, I, I would be really worried. Oh, I remember Odenigbo from back from his recruiting days. He chose Northwestern over Notre Dame. One idiot. That's why he went seventh round. No, okay. Not to Stop. hit on Odenigbo. He's Stop. a good player, but bad decision on his part. But I, I, yeah, I agree. The pass rush, like Shamar Stefan, they didn't they didn't address interior defensive line at all in this class. James Lynch, I, I think he's an edge guy. Like I don't think he's I don't think he's a three technique, but maybe he is. But maybe that's where they see him at. And truthfully, he's probably a big upgrade over Shamar Stefan. But that's still not uh, a high bar to clear. So I do think they need some help along that defensive line. They got names now, at least at cornerback. No clue if they'll be good, but they got names to throw in there and slot in there. But like you said, interior offensive line is rough still, even if it's not, even if they got names there as well. All right, some notes for the season outlook, setting expectations. I put Jefferson will feast. I, I think he's going to see a lot of targets, but I do. I think you added this to my note here: is how is he going to fit? Because you got I mean, you got Adam Thielen there, who's going to who lives in the slot, can play outside, but lives in the slot. Justin Jefferson probably belongs in the slot. It'll be interesting to see like how they complement each other because they offer somewhat similar 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 <laughs> skill sets. Um, I think Gladney and Dancer will be good early for a lot of the reasons you brought up. Like Gladney, you said Dancer's got better tape than Gladney at, at one point. I know Gladney's been battle tested, like you said, like he's seen a lot of targets. He's got a ton of experience. And Zimmer, one of the better, you know, defensive back, you know, coaches or gurus in the game right now. Ezra Cleveland, I love having him with the opportunity to play him inside early if you wanted, or have him as that kind of swing tackle early on. Like that's a good rotational piece. And then I added lastly, like Troy Dye and Kenny Wilkes, like as death pieces if injuries happen, I think can outplay their draft position. I, I like those picks and steals. That's why you get more picks. Like I had someone I was talking to the New Orleans Saints radio recently, and I was explaining why, like, it was ridiculous that the Saints traded up 
you know, four picks to go get Adam Troutman. They're like, but you don't get it. Like Adam Troutman's going to be better than all those players. It's like, that's just you being overconfident in your evaluation. Like, do you think Adam Troutman's going to be that much more valuable than the four players that they could have picked elsewhere? I don't know. Cause you can get guys like Troy Dye, Kenny Willekes, Trevis Gibson, like these guys later that I think can offer um, uh, production early as well. I will say the Saints, from their perspective, they don't have a lot of roster spots. Like, that's a roster no, and that. That's a good counter, too. That's a better yeah. counter, though, than, like, well, Adam Trumpman's going to be better than all those guys. It's like, okay. Like you yeah, you don't like, know that. Know but, that. They, but they also, if they drafted, you know, another interior offensive lineman, he's just not going to make the roster. They got too much They got too much depth at certain positions that, like, they have too much depth at certain positions, and that's pigeon you hold, pigeonholing you, excuse me, into other positions, and so you might not be able to find the value there. So, um I, I will say the interesting fit to me, what I want to see is how they deploy this receiving core. You know, love two tight end sets there in Minnesota last year, but Thielen, you go back to his best year, 2018, he was a slot receiver. Majority of his snaps came from the slot. That's kind of his best role or was his best role with Minnesota. That's also Justin Jefferson's best role at LSU. Like that is who he is and, and who we projected him to the NFL at as well. So how they deploy those guys and how successful they will be in their respective roles is just something I'm curious to see. And I'm not like putting uh, sort of like poo-pooing either of them being able to produce from the outside, but it's just that, you know, they were both at their best in the slot. And that's kind of why we didn't even like say Justin Jefferson to the Vikings was a great fit uh, off, you know, during draft season is because of that's where Thielen kind of plays and succeeds. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I don't know how confident I am Justin Jefferson, like, creating separation and winning consistently from the outside receiver position. I think he almost needs to play more in the slot than Thielen does, but we'll see how they deploy them. All right, Chicago Bears, pick side change, easy money. Cole Komet for Antoine Winfield. Love adding Antoine Winfield and Jalen Johnson at the top of the second round. The tight end room already is like 15 deep. I don't like Cole Komet that much as a tight end prospect either. He was a reach, not a position of need, and there were better players available. I changed Cole Komet for Antoine Winfield Jr. I think you could have gone a lot of different ways with that pick. That one was the one I kept saying pre-draft. I'm like, Antoine Winfield Jr., best cornerback available. And like, I didn't even think Johnson would be the best cornerback available. I thought it would be someone like Trayvon Diggs. That would have been just lights out draft for their secondary. And they go tight ends. I'm not sure he moves the needle right away. I'm not sure he pushes you over the edge. And so uh, he could be good in time. I don't think he'll be good right away, though, Colcomet at his age. All righty, moving forward here. Biggest impact rookie, I think, is Jalen Johnson. One of my favorite picks in this draft. I think he's going to play well early on. He's a smart player. I think he's more NFL ready than he's given credit for. Yeah, Not, that one's you know, easy. I, I think Jalen Johnson, biggest impact. Easy, easily. All right, biggest hole still remaining for this Bears team. I said tight end as a joke. Obviously, they have like fifty-five. You gotta, I, you gotta sell the joke there, Austin. You can't I said, just say I said tight end as a joke. Yeah, that's like a Borat move. For sure. <laughs> um. I went quarterback. I, I, I mean, the biggest hole, I mean, if like you're actually talking about like what's going to win this game, like win this team games, it's quarterback. Like, I don't know. Like th- that's still the biggest hole for me. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go safety. Like Deion Bush, re- you really think he's going to be, he couldn't even unseat haha. Like, I, I just don't think he's necessarily, like he could have improved there. Now they don't have a lot of holes in this roster otherwise though. It's a really good roster. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I think they have interior offensive line issues as well with uh, Kyle Long retiring, and obviously they couldn't count on him. So they, he wasn't. It was kind of an issue before that, anyway. So I think those are the biggest holes. All right, season outlook. I I I, I almost added this, but it's like 
does it matter? Like, I, I just like the quarterback position, like Jalen Johnson's going to be awesome. I, I think he's going to play very well, but I don't know how much that moves the needle for this team to actually win football games and make a deep postseason run. I still think this team is like putting lipstick on a pig in a lot of ways. And the lipstick wasn't even that great. Like Cole Komet is not good lipstick. That's lip gloss from Claire's baby. I don't think that's that, that awesome of an addition for this team. Yeah. The Komet one, they got Jimmy Graham for two next two years. And I, I don't think Jimmy Grant's good at this point in his career, but I don't know what they're going to do with those two. I do think the Johnson one's the biggest needle mover. He's going to start right away. I don't, you never know with rookie cornerbacks how they'll perform right away, but I think he's a great scheme fit for them. So I think that their secondary, like, won't miss a beat having lost Prince of Mukamara. But again, another team where they, they, they don't have a lot of holes, but they're also not great at the positions where you'd love to be great, and that's quarterback. And your secondary or cornerback, you just like for them to be a little more secure there, like buster screens, not moving the needle at slot for me. So I, I think they're going to be solid. I think they take a little step forward this year, but I don't think they're, I didn't think they vaulted themselves with their offseason into the Super Bowl contention. To end more positively, I did like the Trevis Gibson and Mooney picks. I mean, I think those are good depth oh, yeah. pieces. And I think both of those guys, like, if they do get, like opportunities in 2020, I think there'll be positive, you know, positive return on those opportunities because I think they're both good players. I think Gibson, from when I talked to him, the thing he needed most, I think, was someone to teach him moves. And I think working Khalil Mack, like one of the better high character guys that already has a wealth of moves, I think that'll be great for his development very early on. Detroit Lions. Picks you change. I said DeAndre Swift for Xavier McKinney, though I think they could have gone a lot of different ways. It's just like if they didn't take DeAndre Swift, it probably would have been a better pick in my opinion. Yeah, I think that DeAndre Swift one is pretty evident and that I would have changed it a number of different ways. You probably could have gone there. I would have gone um, LaVisca Chenault there if I would have gone somewhere else of a guy who kind of went in that similar range. Because they have, uh, gosh, the small white, Danny Amendola in the slot right now. I, I would rather have LaVisca Chenault in the slot in that offense. He just, they need a yak more guy. Of a, yes, he's more of a weapon in what he brings to the table than Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola, kind of like your, your old school slot, like classic underneath can get open a little bit, but not, not going to provide anything of a vertical threat. I think Chenault can be a more modern slot weapon and also like, he could play running back, you know. He could be a better yes. running back than DeAndre Swift if we're keeping it one. Here are the takes we needed. Thing. Here are the takes we needed. Uh, yes. All right, biggest impact rookie. This one's obvious. Similar like the Chase Young pick. It's Akuda. Like I think Akuda coming in with Darius Legon, I think it's going to have a very positive impact on this defense. Akuda coming in with what did you just say? Darius Legon. I was. Yeah. I thought you uh, said a guy's name. I thought you said Darius uh, Legon. I'm like. Oh yeah. Well, that guy's pretty good too, actually. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, this secondary. I mean, so they got torched last year defensively. Like for everyone pumping up Darius Slay, he wasn't that good last year. Like the whole sort of like secondary was, and now some of that was bad luck. He was at the catch point a lot of stuff that got ended up getting completed. But this was like a bottom five pass defense. But I think they've improved a ton. This at least like a complete sort of unit, adding Jaron Harmon now. You got Tracy Walker, Jaron Harmon at safety. You added J. Ron Curse as well. You got like some matchup weapon guys. You added Tresman Trufant. Like I think that area of the that area of the team is fine. Um, I still just wonder about the pass rush up front. Now I love Julian Aquara. I don't think he's moved. Uh, rare to see rookies move the needle year one as a pass rusher. So. Uh, we'll see how that goes for them. Probably some more three-man three man rushes again this year. 
biggest hole remaining for this roster. I thought it was a pretty good roster. Like, I don't hate this roster. I, I think the Detroit Lions, like, actually have some talent here. Like, if Matthew Stafford can stay healthy and, like, produce similarly to how he did, like, high A-dot type of stuff, like, I, I think the Lions could actually be pretty good. And now that the Green Bay Packers have kind of set fire to their whole team, I, I think the Lions can make a push. I think it's fairly obvious, though, where the biggest hole is, and that's linebacker, unfortunately, after what oh, they've man. done. I thought in this recent was... drafts. <laughs> now, Jamie it. Collins is an upgrade, but he still wasn't even like prime Jamie Collins last year in New England. Like Jared Davis and Jelani Tavai. Like Jelani Tavai was, oh God, Jelani Tavai was like last year's A.J. Dillon. Not to hate on Jelani Tavai here, but it just was a guy who, not athletic, you know, kind of just like dated for what the linebacker position is. And like his best case scenario is not a guy who's, bring that much value to the table and you draft them at the top of the second round. So uh, I just don't love their linebackers outside of Jamie Collins. Man, that sucks for Tobias and Jared Davis. That's, that's, that's negative towards both those guys, but here we are. All right. Season outlook, setting expectations. I love Jeffrey Okuda. I think he's going to play well right out of the gate. I also thought Jonah Jackson, Logan Stenberg are going to help this interior offensive line. Maybe I don't think both of them start, but I think, I mean, that's good depth if Stenberg plays backup and Jonah Jackson, I think could start out of the gate, be a good pass protector early. And then you obviously said earlier, but like temper expectations for pass rushers and as rookies, but like Aquara could still be good. Like I, I, I still think Julian Aquara could be like, good in a rotational role. Yeah, I think Swift starts over carry on Johnson too. I think he's gonna get the bulk of the carries. They're not gonna they're not gonna mess around with like a split, I would guess. I think they're gonna give it to the guy who's I mean Carry on Johnson is still the injury history. I, I don't think it's necessarily that he's a bad player, but just the health issue there. And I, I do think Joe Jackson steps in. It's very good out the gate. I love that pick, but it just also means that, unfortunately, they see Big V as a right tackle, and I don't know if that one's going to end well. But uh, <laughs> it, it, I'm not sure he's going to be worse than what they had last year in Rick Wagner, who was pretty rough. So uh, Aquara, I think, starts as well. I think he takes over his brother's job, fun, funnily enough. More funnily? Fun, funny enough? Funnily? Damn, I don't know if I like funnily. Up words today. All right. Uh, I don't like and, funnily either. NFC South, last division. Let's hit it. Saints. Pick, you change, go. So Cesar Ruiz, I don't dislike the process, and I don't dislike the player that you're in. You're dressing your offensive line. But I do think that the guy who continually got hurt there for you or gets hurt there for you on that offensive line is Teron Armstead, is a tackle. And the sort of the thought here is that when a guy goes down, Ruiz comes in, Pete has the flexibility to go out to tackle if you need him. But the guy in this draft who... And I've got, I've said this is like the pick I'd change for like everyone, but Josh Jones to me is the more valuable position and the guy who can play tackle if Teron Armstead goes down. And he could also play guard if one of those guys in the interior goes down. Like the one cornerstone kind of piece in there that you feel good about uh, is your center, who again, his name's escaping me, Texas A&M, Eric McCoy. That's the guy you feel good about there on the interior. Cesar Ruiz and him play the exact same position. So uh, I'm not sure they're sort of, succession plan there or like what the where, where they envision Ruiz lining up but I would have rather gone a guy with tackle guard versatility than center guard versatility with this roster if I'm going that way yeah I got a, I got a fun one here what what I'm gonna do to replace this picks I'm gonna replace the trade up for Adam Troutman altogether and I am going to take Calling with it. the with, with those four <laughs> picks I'm gonna take Troy Dye Darnell okay. Mooney Juwan Jennings 
and then Prince, not Prince Segunojo, sorry, Raymond Collette. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take those four players for the same pick that they did for Adam Troutman. That, that's how the board fell, and that's who they could have added. And I think all those four players together, I think make make up for better value than the, the player they picked in Adam Troutman. <laughs> yes, I agree that they do, and I, and that is why we always say, you know, don't trade up. I, I do think Troutman though is a good fit for them offensively, and so. I, uh, Can you imagine Troy Dye, Darnell Mooney, Jawan Jennings, and then you add like I can't even remember the last guy I said, but but oh Raymond Calais like Calais. I yeah. I think just Mooney and Jennings alone offer different skill sets than the Saints receiving core currently have. And I think Troy Dye is a good linebacker to have alongside uh, Demario Davis. Uh, I, I think. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm for that over taking Adam Troutman, who who could still be good. Like I think he could produce. Like I was impressed mm-hmm. with his tape at the Senior Bowl, but I just can't get on board with the picks they gave up to get him. I agree, and I will say the Saints' track record of targeting guys when they do target a guy is, like, so on point. They did it with McCoy. They did it with Kamara. They did it with Davenport. All three of those guys are just, like, fuck, they hit on all of them. Like, those are all good picks where they got them. Yeah, now I I feel stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Trouble's going to be a pro bowler. Yeah, here we go. Uh, But, I I mean, again, I I just feel like the chances of those you hitting on two of the guys that you could have picked with those four picks are all four of them. Combined I agree. Value. We're on the same page. All right. Uh, biggest hole remaining for this Saints team? None. They don't have a hole. This, this is a great this roster. Is a, this is a great roster, dude. Like, this realistically is. That's why they drafted a backup offensive lineman. I will say, though, interior defensive line is if they're weakest anywhere. Sheldon Rankins hadn't been the same since that Achilles. David Onyemata was not that great last year. That's where they could have, say, add someone who, you know, could, can be a value add. It would have been there, but I'm not too worried about that either. Like those guys could also bounce back this year, so we'll see. All righty, moving forward here down the list, I need to know season outlook for this team. Like Super Bowl, are we talking Super Bowl? <laughs> but I mean, with the Saints too, though. Like talking about these rookies, like where do you see them playing? How do you see them having an impact? In my opinion, this is the most complete roster in the NFL. Now, some other teams have obviously the Chiefs have a, a passing offense that no one can touch when they're on. Like they're not. They don't have a dominant secondary like the Ravens do. They don't have, like, absolute elite, but, like, they're very good pretty much everywhere up and down this roster. So they probably should be Super Bowl favorites in the NFC heading into the season. Uh, Ruiz, I'm not sure if he starts. I, I would honestly think he's a backup right away. Like, Warford and Pete are fine. Like, they're not going to bench Pete. They just gave him a zillion dollars. Warford's been, like, probably better than Pete, to be honest. So I'm not sure what that ends up happening there along their interior Bond, I think, does start at linebacker next to Demario Davis. That's the one I – and if he's not starting, he'll at least be in on third That's down. That's where I'm at. Look, Zach Bond, what I'm most interested in is their use, his usage. Like, how are they going to use Zach Bond? Like, how often will he be rushing the passer? How often will he be, like, lined up at the line of scrimmage pre-snap? Because, like, this guy just hasn't played a ton of off-ball, specifically hasn't played a ton of coverage. Like, he hasn't been in yeah. coverage a ton at the collegiate level. Interestingly enough, he's very similar to a guy they drafted last year in the seventh round, Caden Ellis. They're like nearly identical sort of body type athleticism guys now. Bond's a lot better, but they must have sort of a role or, you know, an idea of that sort of player in mind. I mean, they traded up for him too. I think they traded, yeah, they traded pick um, 88 and a 2021 third round pick to go up 14 spots and and get Zach Bond at 74. Like they they locked in on him as well. Like it's crazy, man. You called it. I mean, Mickey Loomis just trades up and gets this guy like every single time. And sometimes that overconfidence will bite you in the butt. But like, like you said, Kamara, Davenport, like they've hit on a couple of the trade-ups that they had. Yeah. 
Atlanta Falcons, picks you change. I, I'm glad you highlighted this one because I would have mentioned this one. These are your notes. But, like, I would have t- – and I said this on the broadcast, on the live broadcast, like, right before the CeeDee Lamb pick was announced at Dallas, that, like, I would have probably taken CeeDee Lamb at 16 over A.J. Terrell if yep. I was – like, regardless of position. Because I think – I said this before, too. I think the Atlanta Falcons were in a very similar spot as the Cowboys. They had a clear position of need they wanted to target, cornerback. But they probably didn't dream of the scenario where one of the best receivers, arguably the best receiver in this class, was going to fall to them at 16. They decided to go position of need and maybe a bit of a reach on Terrell. Cowboys were in a similar spot between C.D. and Chase on. They said, you know what? Screw Chase on. We just got CeeDee Lamb, boys. Let's bring him in. Like, that's where I think the Atlanta Falcons would have benefited the most. Yeah, they had they had Russell Gage on the field for 403 snaps last year. I just threw up. Christian Blake was on the field for 232. You can't tell me right now that if CeeDee Lamb was on the field for you, instead of those guys, instead of Laquan Treadwell, who had slotted to be this year, that you wouldn't feel so, so much better about your offense right now. Obviously, you'd be worried about your defense, but I think I'd still be worried about my defense right now. Like, I'd be worried about my defense with the corners with even A.J. Terrell and Isaiah Oliver in there. I'm not sure they're going to be a good defense. Uh, the, the problem is, though, when you are sort of so scheme dependent and, uh, I mean, they're not – Falcons are going to run cover three, cover one. They're going to do that. You can't, you can't run coverages that are protecting your corners. Those are, those are not protecting your cornerback. So you have to have talent at those positions. And so that's why they kind of force themselves into it. But God damn, if CD lamb is just a much better football player right now than trail day, trail, AJ Terrell on Del Terrell. Got to keep fucking up, man. And then, so you would also change the, their second round pick as and, well. And then, yes. And then, so if I didn't get cornerback in the first Trayvon Diggs was sitting there for me True. in the second. And so I would have gone him instead there because I think the value would have made sense there. And he's a scheme fit for what they do. C.D. Lamb and Trayvon Diggs. I mean, we're talking about the Cowboys draft. We're, yeah, <laughs> I mean, they, we're talking I about the, Cowboys, the draft. Cowboys draft. That would have been awesome. Anyway, uh, biggest impact rookie in year one. Is it A.J. Terrell? I think it's Marlon Davidson. Okay. I think he plays a lot of snaps for them. Uh, I think he fills almost a similar role to what he played at Auburn, where I think he's going to be on the edge on early downs, kick inside on pass, rushing downs. Now, maybe they envision him just as a full-time three technique, but that's kind of like Grady Jarrett's bread and butter. That's like, that's where he wins. I don't, I think it's easier to find a nose tackle who can stuff the run than a three technique as impactful as Jarrett, as Jarrett. And I don't think he's, you know, any great shakes as a nose tackle himself in run defense. Like you're just going to get blown off the ball if you have Davidson and Jarrett in there on your interior. So, but I do think Marlon Davidson's your day one starter somewhere along that D line. All right. Biggest remaining need for this Falcons team. I think it's linebacker. Now, do they like Olakun? The was he Yale? The Yale safety turned linebacker. Is that where he came out of? I kind of liked him coming out, but I was, was like just a pure project. Yeah, he was Yale. It was just a pure project, and so he replaces Devondre Campbell this year. Um, they obviously didn't address the linebacker position, so they must like him good enough to throw him out there. So uh, we'll see. Actually, no, they got Michael Walker. They got the Fresno State guy who was actually an edge at Fresno State most of his career, so I don't know where they're going to play him. But, yeah, Olakun's still their linebacker. I think it's the biggest need for them. All right. I, I have people asking, you know, obviously it's the Bucks and Saints at the top of this division, but, like, are the Falcons close enough to compete for a title Let me, or, or maybe just make the playoffs in this extended playoffs in 2020? I keep thinking they are, but then they keep, like, proving me wrong. I don't think they are this year. I'm going to say it. That secondary is too bad to do it. I just don't think that secondary is good enough right now. You're going to play against Tom Brady, 
and Drew Brees four times a year. And Teddy Bridgewater. You're going to hold them to this A.J. Terrell. God, I keep saying A.J. It's Ondell Terrell, the guy. It's because it's a sweet-ass first name. I'm not going to call him A.J. Ondell Terrell, Isaiah Oliver, Kendall Sheffield, Jordan Miller. That's going to hold those guys. That's going to hold Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You know, I just don't see it, unfortunately. Their offense is I like their offense on paper, but, dude, I just don't see it in that secondary. Man, that is – you hate to see it. see it. <laughs> That's tough. All right, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Pick you change for the Bucs. I think it's the running back pick, obviously. Yeah, but this one's like I don't even know. I, I'm not even – you – Tom Brady uses that running back as a receiver out of the backfield. Keyshawn Vaughn's a good receiver out of the backfield for a running back. The, the Vanderbilt guy they drafted in the third. Um, you have a roster that, very much like the Saints, you didn't have any holes at this point. You address your biggest hole in tackle. That was really the only one that was glaring. And then after that, there was – I'm not sure there was a position you had to go address. So uh, that's the biggest, that's the one I would change. But it's even then, it's just like, that could be the difference between you and a championship. Like, you don't have a receiving back on the roster like Keyshawn Vaughn. That could that could be the difference between you and the championship. Because no other guy you're drafting in the third round is moving the needle for you on that roster right now, I'll just say. Yep. Uh, Besides maybe back, like depth along the O-line is always what we say. Like, get depth along the O-line because you're going to get hurt. That's the only other position I would have gone there is depth along the O-line. I think the, the decision I would have changed was Jason Light's stress trying to trade up for like for pick six, pick six through 13, <laughs> trying to like call every single team above him to make sure he got his offensive tackle. Because that reading Peter King's column in Football Morning America about how he was interested and called every single team from like pick six to 13, trying to trade up sounded like the most stressful shit I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. So Dude, I, I, I said was, that going in. I'm like, they're trading up like they're, they're a team that's got to trade up because they can't go empty handed. You can't yeah. get out of this one empty handed man it sounded like a nightmare there's a point where like kids start screaming in the background and like it sounds like this like scariest stuff i've ever it's a good piece i would encourage you all to read uh peter king's football morning america on the bucks all right biggest impact rookie this one's obvious tristan Wirfs. i mean it's their first pick i think he's gonna have a ton of success early on i think i think winfield starts too though i think oh no good point good point compared to i mean mike edwards who they drafted last year i was not a fan of that pick I, i'm not sure I think Winfield's much, much better player than he is. Uh, safety position still, like if there is like a need sort of like issue where I'm not super comfortable with, it's there. But I do love Winfield, and I think he can make an impact also. But I do think Werfs is the biggest impact one. All right. Biggest hole remaining and season outlook slash rookie expectations. Combine those for me. Yeah, biggest hole. Like I just said, I don't see one. Like this is complete roster. Now they could use depth at certain positions, especially defensive line. After Sue, Vea, D line, O line, defensive line. And no, I'm saying both. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying both. Yeah. After that starting D line, though, they don't have like a guy that can come in and be that sort of, you know, like the Eagles have a rotation of guys you trust to like be able to get after the passer. Bucks don't have that. They're going to roll four deep. William Golston has never gotten after opposing passers as your like one rotational piece there. So they might be rough in that regard. But Still, starting lineup-wise, very good. And I think you've got two guys who can actually move the needle, your first two picks. For a team as complete as they are, to then get two guys in Tristan Wirth yes. and Anselm Winfield who can actually move the needle was a very, very good draft for Tampa Bay. I know they didn't get a lot of A-plus love or A. Like, this is a very good draft, though. Like, this is – they had a they had the best offseason of any offseason uh, in recent years, I'll say. 
All right, moving to the Carolina Panthers now. Last team, before we jump to the interviews with Danny Kelly and Kevin Cole, pick you change. I know you have here Isaiah Simmons instead of Derek Brown. I, I'm going to do one for one of their second-round picks, but talk to me about that change. Yeah, I, I just think Isaiah Simmons is more of a it's more of the home run swing. It's a bigger swing at a position that you need in the NFL. You need coverage over the middle of the field. He can bring that to the table. If you worry about the Luke Keekley thing, I think I brought up, they didn't want to go with him because like they it had to be a serious. I'm not thought. buying that, by the way. He's always going to get compared to Lee Heakley. But if you're worried about that, just call him a safety, you know, out the gate. Just be like, yeah, he's a safety for us, uh, and then play him in like a versatile role. But I would have loved Simmons there. I'm not nearly as mad about the Derek Brown pick as George might be. Like you got a good football player. Yeah. Half the teams, in, like a lot of times, teams in the top ten do not draft good football players. I think you got a good one in Derek Brown, even if you didn't draft a guy we think can turn into a great one, like we think Isaiah Simmons could. So uh, I, that's the one I would change. Uh, the Etor Grossmatos one, I probably would have gone to AJF Vanessa instead, but those are kind of quick, minor uh, disagreements. How about this change? They stayed put with Derek Brown. Maybe they don't go Isaiah Simmons. And then instead of Etor Grossmatos, they go Willie Gate Jr., Mississippi State. I'm all for that. Let's go. Because they're starting, they're starting to hear Whitehead next yeah, year. Yeah, I was going to say, we didn't get to biggest hole yet, but biggest hole is obvious. It's still like they, they kind of like they, they have an honorary hole at linebacker for Luke Keekley. It's like pouring one out by not replacing him. They Dude, should just I, play with 10 guys next year. In uh, honor stop, stop, stop. I think, I, think they, they, I think they should only play with two linebackers. <laughs> I feel like, I they mean, not only play with one with the roster they got right now. It's tough. Put it's Jeremy tough to Chin and Kenny Robinson out there. True, though. I mean, you got Troy Pride back there. I don't know. I don't hate I it. Anyway. See, when they drafted Jeremy Chin, I thought he might be the linebacker for them. He's in like the 220s. It's a big-ass really? dude. So we'll see. All right. Uh, biggest impact rookie. This one's I think, is really obvious for me because I think the other picks they made were a bit more like they could be good down the road. Like Derek Brown's the guy who's going to come in and like, be good already. Like I think yeah, and, Derek and, and I, I'd even throw Kenny Robinson into that mix, too, if he <laughs> plays. I, Derek Brown's going to be the biggest impact rookie for a lot of people. Like he hits the ground from day one. Good is the, is the, the selling point to Derek Brown. And with Kenny Robinson, uh, he's semi-pro ready. Like at least, <laughs> I mean, he gets more to say than some of the college players. Anyway, last last things here. We touched on biggest hole. It's linebacker. To hear why head starting is not good. Give me your outlook. Some people are saying I saw some responses like Panthers might be picking first overall and could get an opportunity. Teddy Bridgewater is not leading this team to first overall. No, no way. And they have Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. Like I don't think their offensive line is in complete shambles. Like this team is not picking first overall. So give me the rookie class impact, and then also kind of set expectations for this Panther season now that like kind of the final major upgrades have been made. Yeah, the back end is just a massive question mark. Like you don't want your question mark to be on the back end secondary. Yeah, and then your line, and then obviously linebacker. So they're not good in the places you'd like to be good at defensively when projecting forward. So I don't think they'll be competing in the South this year. But I think that offense is fine. Like that offense should be, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, we'll see what to make of him, but I think that offense should be, you know, able to go at least eight and eight. Uh, the defense, we'll see if that, you know, comes together. But uh, outlook wise, I think Brown makes an impact. I'm not sure any of these other guys really do. Like yeah. I think the transition for the rest of them could be, could be a bit rocky. I do love that they went Brave on Roy though in the six. We never got to touch on that. That pick is just like, we're going to fucking stop the run, baby. We got we got Derek Brown, and then we're going to give this 330-pound T-Rex nose tackle who's going to 
also stop the run. You love to see it. You just mm-hmm. love to see it. That's going to do it for the NFC deep dive review. I thought that was awesome. I'm excited to get to AFC. Like, I, I think I like the the structure of it. Pixie change, impact rookies, that stuff. It'll be fun to get to the AFC. This will go on YouTube, and I'm going to make sure after this goes up on YouTube, we don't do this every time. I'm going to put timestamps on this pitch. I'm going to make sure we got timestamps for every team, whether I have an intern do it or I do it myself. I'm going to make it happen. Have an intern do it. Uh, I'll make it happen. Uh, before we get to the interviews, I want to say Draft 2020, the promo code that saves you 30% off any annual subscription at PFF.com, is still live through Friday, I believe. May 1st is when that expires. So make sure to use that if you don't have a copy of the draft guide yet. Um, outside of that, I got nothing else, Mike. Uh, this was a great pod. I'm excited to get to the interviews. You got anything? No, that was uh, – apologies if this is too long for you. We we had we said we were going to deep dive, though. This is like an hour longer than any other podcast, but we wanted to go deep. Bang. There we are. All right, this is it. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2 for one Drafts. <sighs> Joining the 2 for one Drafts podcast is the ringer's Danny Kelly, a good friend of mine, also someone I met at the Senior Bowl. Really love your insight and what you're doing with the draft. The draft guide on the ringer is freaking awesome, like the interactivity, how it looks, all of those things is great. You do a ton of great work, Danny. It's great to have you on the pod. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that, and I uh, appreciate the invite to the pod. You guys do awesome work as well. I, I, Mike, I consumed your, your draft guide. Like throughout this whole process. So kudos to that. Fantastic. Well, let's start with this. I think it's the easiest question to start with the analysts that we have brought on, but like, just give me some of your favorite picks, man. Like what, which teams (laughs) do you think really nailed it with some of their picks? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I would have to start with the Tua pick I thought was great just because there was so much noise and so much, I guess, like smoke that they were going to pass on him and take Herbert instead. Um, I've always kind of just been of the opinion, like, fortune favors the bold a little bit. And so, you know, obviously there's a a major, major injury concern going forward, but I just think that the level of prospect that Tua is the, the way that he can kind of change that team, um, his upside or whatever, you know, obviously upside is kind of like a cliche term, but like his, his ceiling is so, so high that I just, I, I really, really appreciate that. They took that pick. They, they kind of went out on a limb and, and went for it. So I think he'd be the one I'd start with. And, and then, you know, I don't know. What, what did you guys think of that? Did you Were you in favor of that pick? Oh, absolutely. Like, I love the Tua pick. I think, like, yeah. I, we were talking about it with Chris. Like, the smoke screen they, they threw out there, the poker they played to get Tua. <laughs> like, they were battling a Tua for tank for Tua hashtag. He was signing <laughs> Dolphins helmets at the combine. Like they had yeah. to say, we want to trade up for a tackle. Actually, we like Herbert leak that he had unreported injuries to the Palm beach post, the Miami Herald. Like they did a masterful job to not have to trade up and stay put and take Tua Tonga by law. I, I think it yeah. was one of the better picks of the draft. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that as well. That, that, I mean, that was the difference between five and six in terms of talent is yeah. Night and day. You know? Yeah. So I really like that one. Um, I made a big list, so I'll just kind of r- like rattle off a few. I really thought the Vikings did well to upgrade, or not maybe not upgrade quite yet, but but address the cornerback position, grabbing Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dantzler. Um, that is a you know just a feisty cornerback duo that they got there. So that's going to be really fun to watch. Um, the 49ers stayed completely on brand and grabbing Brandon Ayuk and Juwan Jennings. Uh, Mike, I know you're a big Jennings fan, and so I just cannot wait to watch that offense. It's just going to be – I mean, just imagine as a defense, like, trying to defend this team. you got to be on point as a you tackle. you got to tackle. You have to tackle. Like, if you can't tackle yeah. Debo, 
Um, obviously, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, like you're going to lose. And I think they're, that's not something that I think – I think it's smart of Kyle Shanahan because he knows mm-hmm. he can get his receivers open. I'll find a way to get you guys open. I can scheme you guys open. Just you're not going to be able to tackle us. And, and yep. I think that's a weaknesses of a lot of defenses right now. Like, you know, defenses aren't prioritizing tackling as much as they used to be. They're prioritizing coverage, speed, athleticism, those things. And I think right. it's smart for Kyle Shanahan to kind of zag as other teams zig a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, that's like their whole thing is they're like run heavy. We'll run the ball down your throat. And and if you can't stop us, we'll just keep running until the end of the game kind of thing. And so um, I think these these players are actually kind of an extension of the run game, the way that they can be used on screens and, you know, quick slants and, and end arounds and, and whatever. You know, they're just going to get these guys involved. So I thought those two picks were awesome. Um, I think Higgins going to the Bengals is really fun because it gives Burrow that jump ball guy. One of the things I love about Burrow, and I think the thing that I, I went back and rewatched him kind of right before the draft, and I was just like, man, he puts the ball exactly where his receivers need it in, in terms of, you know, slightly away from the defender. Like if the defender is on the outside, he'll put it into the t- like t- towards the inside. Let the d- let the receiver go up and get it. Um, and we saw how many jump balls Justin Jefferson won in college last year. And so I, I, I think Higgins is a, is a nice fit for them in, in terms of like his skill set. So that'll be really fun to watch. I love the AJ Epinesa pick for the bills. That felt like a really good value for them. Just getting a big, powerful, you know, just incredibly strong defensive end that can also kind of bump inside and play, you know, play multiple roles for that defensive line. The bills just, man, there is there any un, more underrated defense in the bills right now? I just feel like they're just continually getting better. They are. Uh, well, I want to ask you about one guy who you were super high on and the mm-hmm. fit he went to in the draft. Brian Edwards goes to the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. What do you like of that fit, the South Carolina wide receiver, and where, how do you see him being used in that offense? So it, it sounds like they they see him as the X, which I think makes sense. You know, you know, they've got some other guys, like some weaponry in that offense. They got rugs. I think he'll probably end up playing like the movement Z receiver style thing where he can go into motion. He can play off the line and all that. Um, one of the reasons I liked uh, Edwards a lot is kind of he has um, some shiftiness at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, he's big, strong, physical type guy, uh, can overpower smaller cornerbacks. And so having him, it sounds like Mayock was saying they're going to use him sort of like the, the, the ISO X type guy. I think use him in the red zone a little bit. Um, it's going to be very interesting. I think he went right about where I, I, I thought he might go. I was a little bit nervous he would fall because of the injuries and um, you know, all the concerns that you guys have about him in in terms of just like maybe not the most elite athlete or whatever, but um, like as a big physical outside X type guy, I think it should be a good fit for them. And, you know, frankly, Derek Carr loves to do screen passes, loves to do check downs. Um, And so he's, you know, very good on on those types of plays as well. So I don't know. I just think it's a smart fit for them. Seems like the right value for them. He could end up being like a, a very productive player for them down the line. Um, and getting him in the third round, I think it's just fine for them. I asked because I love that fit. Like I love uh, the sort of the routes that Derek Carr likes to throw is the ones I think he can win. Yep. And Derek Carr's not a guy who like he'll go to a spot to a guy that's not even like open sometimes. Like he's not he's not <laughs> the guy that holds and waits for a guy who's wide open. Like he'll give his yep. guys chances. Uh, and so I think that's like he might outproduce rugs if we're being like, I mean, he could, I wouldn't be surprised. You're one. He could legitimately in terms of volume be their number one. I think rugs is kind of the change the geometry type player, but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think he'll be, uh, you know, kind of like the quarterback's best friend type player for them. So that, that was a very interesting fit. I think in terms of landing spots, that was, is 
pretty good, especially, you know, from the fantasy point of view, especially since they just don't have, you know, like a deep receiver core there. All right, let's talk about some of your least favorite picks and let's take off the rose colored glasses a bit and talk about some of these teams that maybe made some picks that you kind of left your, you know, had you scratching your head a bit. Yeah. So to kick it off in the first round, you know, I just felt that the Dolphins pick of Austin Jackson felt like a big reach to me. Um, He was one of the more frustrating evaluations, I'd say, for me, just because I heard all the buzz and like everything you heard about him and, and everything you heard in the media, I felt like was always this caveat like scouts love him scouts love his upside and teams love his upside and to me that's saying his tape is bad yes yes (laughs) like that's like a a nice way of saying his tape is awful um so to me him going number 18 overall felt like maybe a little too high i i acknowledge that his upside is certainly there and his athleticism um, his movement skills are all are all certainly interesting, um, but I, I felt like he was one of the more frustrating evaluations just because he it wasn't very strong. And and to come back to Epinesa, like he got like worked by Epinesa, and um, oh, yeah. he's gonna have to very he's gonna have to improve in terms of his his functional strength as a blocker. I think to have success in the NFL. So to get a guy like him that early, I know that's probably where he was gonna go somewhere in the mid to late round in, in terms of the first round. So, you know, I, it's hard to define what a reach is. But to me, that felt like, I don't know, they could have probably gone with maybe a little lower ceiling guy, but like a little bit higher floor guy. Um, and then the other guy I was going to bring up, and, and sorry, Mike, for this, but Cole Komet. Just, oh, oh, no, I don't like Cole Komet. You can trash him all you want. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, okay. I know you're a Notre Dame fan, but yeah. Um, yeah, so to me, that was like number one not a need for them at all. Um, <laughs> they have like 55 tight ends. I was going to say, they didn't need a 10th. Um, and number two, I just, it, it felt a little early too for him. I, I, you know, I just wasn't in love with this, this tight end class. He was my overall num- number one tight end, but um, to take him with a 43rd overall pick just felt like, you know, not only was it a reach, it was just not a need, especially on a team where they needed to upgrade their defense. Now they did get Jalen Johnson later in the round, which was a great pick in my opinion. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it reminds me a little bit of like the Ravens picking uh, Hayden Hurst and then picking Lamar Jackson. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like they took like a, a not need and a guy that probably has a lower ceiling. And then they took a great player like later in the round. So anyways, I, I just felt like that. Those two kind of stood out to me, obviously. Um, I know you guys probably wonder how I feel about the Seahawks pick. My first reaction for Jordan Brooks going in the first round was just like, here we go again. Like the Seahawks, <laughs> here the Seahawks just take this guy who basically, I mean, I, I will admit, I saw some first round buzz for him coming into the into the week. But like, you know, he was ranked like in the 60s on, on Arif Hassan's consensus big board. Like, I don't think the the general feeling was that he was a first round player. Um, and, you know, there's concerns about his ability to cover. He didn't really do it as a, as a senior, you know, he was kind of like a spy blitzer, um, wasn't asked to, to cover much from, from the middle of the field. And, and then I think if you look back in some of his 2018 tape, 2017 tape, you know, there's some reps in there where he looks pretty good as like a man coverage guy, but his zone drops are, a little bit like he it just feels like he doesn't really know exactly um he doesn't have a great feel for it yet um so i don't know it obviously to me it felt like a reach i've i've completely sort of started talking myself into it over the last like few days um but my first reaction was like oh god here we go the seahawks doing it again um 
and we'll see how that goes. I, I will say the Seahawks have a pretty good history in terms of co- coaching up their their linebackers. Like Pete Carroll going back to USC has coached some incredible linebackers and Ken Norton too. So they obviously see something in him and, and he's a twitched up, super fast, really physical, aggressive, intimidating type uh, linebacker. So that makes sense from like a, a identity point of view. But um, yeah, once again, kind of Seahawks felt like a big reach in first round. Yeah, felt like a reach, but I feel like he's still a good player, and like yeah. he's going to be a good player in that scheme too. So I, I don't, I didn't hate that one. There were far, far worse first round picks in my mind. The one I want to get to though, and get your take on, because you wrote it up in your first round uh, draft awards, or not first round, your draft awards column, which I recommend anyone go read on the Ringer.com right now. Jalen Hurts to the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. Not a fan. You're not a fan of this move. Well, I'm a fan of Hurts. Um, yeah. I actually probably had him ranked higher than a lot of people. I, I believe I had him in the sixties. I don't have him in front of me, but um, yeah, he, to me, like good player, like starter upside, but he's more of like a, a developmental guy that you build a specific offense around. And so having him come in as sort of a backup um, is a little confusing. Cause I don't know if he, he'd exactly be running the same offense that, that uh, Carson Wentz is running. So um, I, I don't know. Uh, to me, it's just like, it felt like a luxury pick really early and, even if they use him sort of in that, that Taysom Hill, I think someone said Taysom Hill on steroids. Um, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical. You could talk me into it based on the idea. Like if they have these grandiose plans to, to do positionless football, have two quarterbacks on the field, lead the, lead the charge in that area and like, have it be like a real thing, like a real part of their offense where they're using him to throw the ball and doing all this stuff to like lead this new evolution in football. Like if that's what they see, like I get it. Um, but if he's just like a backup and two or three or whatever, like Taysom Hill, like five plays a game, like that to me doesn't feel like great value. Um, you know, getting a guy in the early second round. So I don't know that that's kind of where I stand. Um, it, I guess we'll have to see how they end up using him, but if he's just kind of like, a backup and they see themselves as quarterback developers that to me felt like a misallocation of resources yeah my take with the Jalen Hurts is like you're also not just drafting for this year and I think getting Hurts is where they did is is huge value for like backup on a rookie contract for the next two three years and if they do I know we talked to Peter King and Peter King before the draft said a team with a very good quarterback is going to draft Jalen Hurts (laughs) and that team believes in the Taysom Hill model. And maybe that's what the, maybe he was hinting at the Eagles. I haven't confirmed yeah. with him that yet, but like I could definitely see the Eagles getting creative, maybe even more creative with Jalen hurts because he can throw the football better. Like he's a better thrower of the football right, than Taysom right. Hill. So I think you can get more creative with that usage. I want to jump to this. I mean, we've got, we've asked a lot of people about this, but like how bad was this Packers draft? Like, is, <laughs> is it as bad as everyone's making it to be? I think we gave it a, a D or a D plus in our grade, yeah. something along those lines. Where are you with this Packers draft? Is is it a disaster like it's kind of being made out to be? <laughs> um, I didn't like it. I, I thought, you know, and I, I have it's a philosophical question to me. Like I in my philosophy is that, it, you know, in the NFL with so many things, so many moving parts, so much things that change, you should be operating in like a two to three year, I guess, like, you know, window. And their two to three window, two to three year window right now is with Aaron Rodgers under center. Um so getting so trading up into the first round, like trading up in the first round to get Jordan Love, um, 
felt like just like again like a massive misallocation of resources like you could sign a backup you go get get a guy like uh you know andy dalton or cam newton or whatever to have like a high level backup quarterback i, I would say the same thing about the eagles too so it's kind of like similar thing and then you know down the line the guys that they picked um aj Dillon in a second just makes no sense to me in terms of you know what they have now. I, I realize that you know they got a couple of running backs going into the final year of their their deal, but like you you can get running backs like in multiple different areas, and and taking a um, a guy that looks like a two down running back, you know, to pair with Aaron Jones this year, just uh, it just doesn't feel like it's going to help them in the short term. And I I think they should be operating with the idea that you know they got to the NFC Championship game, like we can put we can get over the hump. We can we can be we can turn into this real Super Bowl team, and instead they just invested in like a bunch of long term players, and it seems like they're kind of like trying to change up their offense to be even more Shanahan-y. and so I don't know taking uh, an H back fullback type tight end in, in the third round, you know, again these are just like none of these really help in year one, I don't think, and so I don't know, I, I thought it was you know, pretty terrible draft. We'll see how it goes long-term. Like maybe Jordan Love does turn into the long-term starter and then we'll feel a little bit silly about it. But I think honestly in like the two to three year window, it, it's, it doesn't help them at all. Yeah. There's something too. So the quarterback discussion going back to like the hurts and the love thing, it is kind of like, these are all, all, all the draft picks are like lottery tickets. The quarterback ones can be worth mega millions. You know, the, yeah. the other ones you draft a running back, it's, it's a scratch off. You can't get more than like a hundred bucks back from that. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. might have a little better odds, but so that's why I, I just think that those running back and the fullback pick, like you're capped in terms of your best case scenario with that. Whereas if you go elsewhere yeah, in the draft, yeah. you're just not capped in terms of what you can bring to the, the other. Yeah. And like to, to add to that, like, I think that's a great analogy. And um, the other thing is like the psychological side of things. Like it really feels like they're just trying to alienate it. Right. <laughs> like there's that part of the whole discussion too. Like he's, I guarantee you he's pissed. Like he's been asking for help at the receiver position. The only thing they did in free agency was to go grab. Um, the punch uh, eyes. Yeah. Punches. <laughs> and then, so like, you know, they've, they've just, they lack team speed at the receiver position. And that was an issue last year. It's going to be probably an issue again, the season, they didn't dip into the, the really, really deep receiver, um, you know, class here this year. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd go so far to call it a disaster, but it definitely didn't make any sense for them in the short term, I would say. Yeah. All right, let's finish with this, Danny, if you could just give us some of your favorite draft classes, like guys, the teams that yeah. you really think knocked it out of the park uh, for the entire draft. So I think kind of the consensus ones, I definitely agree with like the Broncos. I love how they grabbed Judy and Hamler and then later Alberto, like they, Oh my God, that's going to be so much fun. And you look at, um, I, I wish I had the tweet in front of me, but like drew locks splits when they had Emmanuel hall on the field and not, um, were pretty, pretty ridiculous in college. So like his ability, like his, his, effectiveness when he has like that field stretching speed on the field was was really stark i think in college and so i i think they're probably looking at and saying like we got to get some speed down the field jerry judy brings that he's obviously also really really good in the in the short and intermediate areas hamler brings that from the slot i'm a little curious to see how they'll play those two because they're both kind of like slot receivers so maybe do they ask jerry judy to play on the outside i don't know um but love that draft love the cowboys draft i think that's been talked about ad nauseum um I actually really liked the Jags draft. I think in terms of like upside and, and 
rebuilding. They got a really good corner, I think, in C.J. Henderson. Um, I'm a Chase On fan. I think he has the upside to develop into a good pass rusher. And getting him at 20, I think, is it's not like a crazy you know, you're not like crazy reaching for a guy mm-hmm. that didn't have a ton of production. I think getting him in like the 20 spot is is just fine for the type of upside that he has. And then getting LaVisca Chenault, who, you know, if he hadn't gotten hurt this year, maybe would have been a first round talent, first round pick. Getting him at 42, I think, is a pretty good value. I like how he'll kind of complement what they, what they bring with with Chark. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, going down the line, they had they had some really interesting picks. And I think, you know, they potentially got a lot better. So the Jags kind of stand out to me, too. Yeah, that Jaguars yeah. draft, that was one that kind of the more I looked at it, the more I'm like, oh, damn, I kind of like what this could be in yeah. two years, three years, exactly. that sort of thing. I like the Jets draft, which is a surprise. <laughs> Dude, the Jets and the Giants. They like yeah. New York. I know. What Something's happened? in the water. Uh, no one's out in the streets driving them crazy anymore. <laughs> yeah. Becton seems like a great pick. I mean, at least in terms of upside, obviously. Um, I like I had a pass fail like in my mind like if they don't help out Sam Darnold like fail and they 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 absolutely did they passed that for sure they got Beckton they got Mims which seemed like a huge steal at 59 I really like Davis I really like Zuniga I wanted Zuniga for the Seahawks in fact and then um, grabbing like a guy like Pirine who if they decide to move on from uh, Le'Veon Bell like he's just kind of like a a workman like running back uh, oh and yeah. then Bryce Bryce Hall in the fifth. Um, seems like a really nice gamble. You know, he's obviously got the injury concerns, but, um, you know, like really, really good ball skills, led the nation in pass breakups in 2018. Um, potentially, honestly, could start for them this year if he's healthy. Should. I mean, so, yeah, right? They got no so, yeah, I thought that was a great pick, a uh, great draft overall for them, too. Yeah, I think Bryce Hall is going to start for the Jets. I also think Ashton Davis is going to get some playtime. I think the Jets are going to do some three safety looks this next year with Marcus May and Jamal Adams. And I think, Mike, you've said this before, but like Ashton Davis is going to let Jamal Adams cook. You know, like he can come down to the box and do what he wants because they're going to have that deep safety on the back end like Ashton Davis that can do Mm. the rangy things you want at free safety, letting Jamal Adams just come in and do what he wants in the box, rush the passer, et cetera. They can get even more creative and more versatile with his usage, which will be a lot of fun. Danny, really appreciate you coming on the pod. We're going to have to continue to do this. We can't wait until just just the next senior bowl or the combine. (laughs) So I really appreciate you coming on, and I wish you the best of luck in the uh, offseason now. It's officially the offseason season for you <laughs> finally take a breath uh really really appreciate it guys and again great work i, I love you guys work and um yeah it was a lot of fun so thank you again joining the two for one drafts podcast is pff's own kevin cole a data scientist here at pff and also you're a data scientist but you're very very good at content i have to say like great follow on twitter the articles you write are fantastic you have a you do a good job of taking a ton of information a ton of analytics and data study and turning it into very good content so i really appreciate you. you're on my team on pff's team all right well that that's good to hear because uh i really like doing the you know, sometimes doing the charts and doing the tables, the words are obviously the hardest part to actually get that onto the page. But I do feel it's very satisfying to get those ideas out into the world. So I'm glad some people are enjoying it and reading it. Before we get into some of the you know the specific work you've done, which a lot of it of late has been fantastic, I'd love to hear just a gen- in a general sense, like your favorite picks in this draft, and then we'll get the least favorite picks. So give me some of your favorite picks in this draft. Yeah, you know, I might look at the draft a little bit differently than how someone like yourself or or Mike, when you guys are looking at the draft, um, you're a lot more knowledgeable, uh, especially outside of the skill positions than I am about what sort of traits and things like that to look for. And I think generally 
I try not to be too overconfident about a personal feeling on a position. So I, I tend to focus more on things like positional value, um, you know, whether or not teams are trading up or down to get players and things like that. So, I mean, I'll start off with who I wrote about uh, an article that was published today, and I think one of the more controversial picks, and that was uh, when Jalen Hurts was taken by the Eagles in the second round. And I would say that for that pick, it's not really a feeling about Carson Wentz specifically for why I like that pick or the Eagles specifically, but I just think that he was the type of prospect that has uh, a higher floor, I would think, with the rushing ability, but even a higher ceiling than a lot of people think. And if you have a quarterback, unless you have you know, a Patrick Mahomes or someone like that where you're really not going to be adding upside to the equation with them, uh, then I think teams more often should be looking at a quarterback they can get in a second round. They can get at the same position that they got a running back last year, you know, a, a, a low value position and see if they can add him to the quarterback room and not only have that high end backup, but potentially even have a, a higher end starter if he ends up performing at the high of his, of his range of outcomes. So I think things like that, that maybe are a little bit outside of the box thinking are some of my favorite picks. I, I would agree with you, man. I mean, I just don't understand why Philadelphia faithful are on this Jalen Hurts pick because I really like it. And like the more I read about it, the more you hear that they want to even get him involved you know, this season. They want to get creative with his usage and try and do the Taysom Hill model advance with a quarterback that can actually throw the football downfield. So they could see some return even in 2020, though I think the real benefits of the pick, like you outlaid, outlined in your article, is, you know, he could develop into a, you know, a starter for this team and therefore have a ton of value being where he was drafted. Let's get to some of your least favorite picks, though. Talk to me about and don't just tell me the running back picks, okay? I've, I've heard that stance. I got George in my ear all day long. What are some picks you didn't like um, in, in this draft? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the running back stuff, I think, has been well, well worn territory at this point. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, I really would want to know in a lot of these situations whether or not teams can trade back. And I think we have a little bit of intelligence from Peter King's article about how uh, Tampa Bay was calling anybody and everybody to try to trade up the entire time. So when you look at that, uh, you know, I could cast some blame on almost any of those early teams outside of the ones who who took a quarterback and say, you know, why weren't you thinking about this option? Um, more than others, I think I would say Jacksonville and and you know the, the fact that they took C.J. Henderson there and they could probably move back. I don't know if he's someone that you have to really stand up for and say we're definitely going to take this guy. Although I mean, I do I like quarterbacks from a positional value standpoint, but uh, I just feel like if you can move back and. You're, when you're a team that has so many different needs, I mean, I understand they might, you know, optically, they might be trying to replace uh, Jalen Ramsey after losing him, but you have so many different needs. Uh, if you can move back to uh, where the Bucks were, you know, in the teens, you're going to have a great player available at that point, and you could have had some extra draft capital. So I think that decision, um, if you believe what, what you're reading in, in Peter King's article, and I think it was fairly accurate, I mean, he was there uh, at, at the time, then I believe that decision along with the pick or two things that you know just could have been avoided and, and could have been a much better outcome for the Jaguars. I mean, absolutely. If you haven't read that article, I encourage you to do it. P Peter King's Football in the Morning in America talks about how Jason Light is looking to trade up like since like pick seven. Like he's trying to get up and make sure he lands one of these offensive tackles. And like every team is like either declining him or not answering the phone. There's a funny comment in that article where he says, Steve Kime is one of my best friends and now he's not answering the phone. <laughs> I was yeah, dying laughing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. But like I agree. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars, given that, you know, their strategy for the draft, like they obviously 
wanted to pick players with like quote unquote upside potential to be very good players down the road, but maybe not great football players right now. Like CJ Henderson coming off a bit of a down year. Caleb on chase on still needs to get a lot better. So, and LaVisca Chenault simply needs to get healthy. I think trading back and allocating more dra- or grabbing more draft capital would have been smarter considering the strategy they took. I think that's interesting. All right. We talked a little bit about the Jalen Hurts pick. You wrote a fantastic article for PFF.com talking about it. it's not just a good pick. It is a great pick. Can you elaborate more on some of the findings you had in that research and just the overall take there? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes with uh, – there's a couple of different philosophies which I think are, are faulty or ways of thinking that I think are faulty. Number one, um, and like I said, this is not an Eagle-specific thing, but the way we view – the quarterback position, specifically whether or not a team has the franchise quarterback. I think the problem is most teams, they think of it like checking a box. So they make an early pick. That box is checked until, you know, proven otherwise, until three, four years down the road. Um, So even quarterbacks who struggle a lot early, like someone, let's say like Blake Bortles, um, struggles a lot early. They're still not looking to replace him or they're not thinking seriously about replacing him because they want to you know make sure that he has failed before moving on or even if you think about someone like maybe even a Derek Carr you know the the Raiders really haven't done much to address the quarterback position with him uh they're kind of approaching it the same way as if they have uh you know Deshaun Watson or a Lamar Jackson or a Pat Mahomes where that doesn't really make any sense so I think number one that's that's a problem and that's why the Eagles I think are looking at a little bit differently and I also think one of the main reasons that the Eagles fans are upset about this pick is there's too much of an assumption that when you you fill a need in, in the draft. So they say, you know what, we would have drafted cornerback and boom, we would have filled that need. Well, I don't think you fill needs in, in the draft. I think you address them and you have to address them sometimes multiple times. Sometimes you have to address them in multiple ways, whether it's the, the draft or free agency. So I think there's, there's always this feeling that, well, if we would have taken that pick, then it would have led to X player and then X player would have been a starter and we would have had that, this better foundation for Carson Wentz. But the reality is, you know, they would have addressed it. They would have necessarily filled it and when it comes to finding a quarterback who could even be better than, than Wentz, um, you're not going to be able to do that outside of the draft. And you're not really going to be able to do that in later rounds of the draft with any sort of high probability. So it, it's kind of those two things together. We're, we're misviewing the quarterback as a box that's checked or unchecked. And we're also misviewing the draft as filling needs where you're really just addressing them. And you don't really fill anything just by making a pick, even if it's in the first round or second round. I think that was one of the better takes I've heard about the Eagles pick overall and just draft strategy included is just you don't fill needs in the draft. You have to you only address needs. And I don't think you have to address needs. That's another thing, too, is like you can address needs in the draft, but it's very difficult to fill those needs with you know players, especially with how big the like it's a lottery. Like the draft is very much a lottery. There's no set range of outcomes or set high end outcomes for these players that you do pick, regardless of where they are selected. Let's get more into some of this opportunity score stuff that you're looking at, like opportunities for some of the rookie wide receivers and running backs, starting specifically with the Raiders. I mean, they added Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs to what is a very bad, what was at least a very bad receiving core this past year. Obviously, you have the Antonio Brown saga, Tyrell Williams battled injury. They leaned on Darren Waller a ton. Do you have high expectations for Ruggs and or Brian Edwards in this system? Well, it's difficult to say. I mean, for Ruggs, I think he's not a favorite of analytically leaning um, evaluators, if I call myself that, like, like myself, just because of the fact that he didn't have much production there. So I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a super productive rookie, but I do think that on that team, there isn't a whole else lot, a lot um, out there, like as you mentioned. And 
you know, some people say he's a bad fit with Derek Carr because Derek Carr doesn't take advantage of a deep threat. Well, I mean, Ruggs wasn't really a deep threat. So maybe he's a good fit with, with Derek Carr because he can, <laughs> he's someone who can run after the catch and run after quick passes like Derek Carr likes to throw. So I don't think he's necessarily a bad, uh, a bad fit there also. So I think he's interesting. And, you know, Brian Edwards is one of the guys where I think he was probably undervalued coming into – the draft. He was a you know a a good producer. He was a good size uh, sort of candidate. You know, some people weren't as high on him because of some manufactured production through screen passes. But he was also had some lower numbers in prior years with with uh, Debo Samuel there. So I feel like he was a guy who projected as as a value pick. So I think it's, it's not outside of the realm of possibility that he could end up being. Uh, more productive, maybe even more productive early on, as you know, as an older guy who has who's who's shown stronger production in college than someone like Ruggs. How about this Buffalo Bills situation? They add Zach Moss, one of PFF's favorite running backs in this class. It's also wild that they took Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, two guys that have practically broke our elusive rating metric or force miss tackles per attempt metric at the collegiate level. What's your opinion of that backfield right now? Yeah, I mean. They they're very similar players. When I also did statistical uh, comps for some of the running backs, Singletary seemed similar, although not on the same level uh, as far as receiving. And he was just really bad as a receiver um, with with Buffalo last year. Low catch rate, low production. Um, when he actually did catch the ball. So I think that Moss can step in there. I guess the Bills are one of these teams where I think we've seen it with a few teams, with the Bills, with the Rams, um, with others, where I, I guess I just don't understand why they're using so many early-ish picks. You know, I mean, not first-round picks, but why they're they're doubling down on the running back position again in, in back-to-back years when last year they also didn't have didn't have as much draft capital after trading up for Josh Allen. It just seems weird to me that these teams who have traded up to get a quarterback have lost a bunch of draft capital or then using multiple picks on the running back. So I think they could have done a better job addressing it outside of, of Moss, but you know, he, he's, he's a great prospect, and I think he'll fit in well there. It just seems like neither one of them are necessarily going to be a super strong producer because both of them are very capable. Uh, there's two more skill players I want to bring up with you before I let you go. First one's going to be Devin Duvernay, the wide receiver drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. I, I think this is a sneaky good pick in terms of the production he can have in year one because this was a bad Baltimore Ravens receiving core this past year. Marquise Brown battled injury, was a bit inconsistent, like splash and then no splash. I don't love Willie Sneed. Miles Boykin, despite being this you know monster at the combine, having high expectations set up for him, he did not necessarily deliver. Do you see a huge opportunity for Devin Duvernay in 2020? Yeah, I mean, they the Ravens were the second highest team to the Raiders when I was looking at opportunity. And the way I was assessing that was looking at our estimations for production and then also an estimation for production for the wide receivers and tight ends based upon where they're going in different fantasy drafts. And I think that's actually a pretty good uh, market to look at that, to look at that sort of thing. And yeah, yeah, you mentioned for the wide receivers. I mean, there was, there was Brown, there's Marquise Brown, and then there was Miles Boykin. There wasn't a whole lot else there. And I, I think... When there's an assumption that a team is an outlier in some way and the Ravens are an outlier in not using wide receivers, um, and, and they definitely did not use the wide receivers very heavily last season, I think sometimes we can discount too far that it could have just been you know a contextual thing or and it's not as extreme as we believe it could be. And there is some upside and some ability for 
Lamar Jackson to start to utilize those guys going forward because, you know, let's, let's face it, they, they just didn't have anything there last year at wide receiver. So it, it really sometimes we can look at Lamar Jackson and say, oh, he's just someone who doesn't use their wide receivers. Whereas if there was another player like, I don't know, Carson Wentz and what was going on in Philadelphia might be, well, he just didn't have any receivers. So we have to just kind of make sure we're not building a narrative around our perceptions of a player. So I think there's a lot more opportunity there than most think. And at the very least, um, there's just not a high cost to to adding a player there. And um, there's so many available targets that yeah, th- there's definitely upside there whether or not you think it was the strongest prospect coming out of college. Yep. And, and so the last guy I want to bring up was Jonathan Taylor, because I think he landed in a dream situation for him to produce early on, even with Marlon, Ma- Marlon Mack with the Indianapolis Colts. It's just because that offensive line and like Jonathan Taylor already ran behind a very good offensive line at Wisconsin. If there's going to be a landing spot where he has a ton of success early, my opinion is the Indianapolis Colts. Or do you see him splitting carries more and maybe not having the impact that maybe some already see? Yeah, he's a tougher one because there isn't a lot in your traditional metrics that would say that he can't catch the ball. But I know that the stuff that we are tracking, we know we, there are a lot of drops there. Um, Philip Rivers, at least in the last few years, has heavily utilized his running backs out of the backfield receiving. And I feel like that's always a good you know, if you have that dual skill set, you can really be useful and productive and no matter what's happening with game script, whether you're 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 pounding the rock to put the game away or whether you're trying to come back from behind. So I think there is there is some downside there if the if the Colts defense doesn't play that well, if they're they're having a little bit more trouble, maybe a little bit of improvement in that division, although I don't know if there's gonna be a lot, that um there there won't be as much opportunity for him. But he, you know, he profiles as very similarly to someone who had been a top 10 pick in, in some other drafts, there was just a perception around him, and maybe it's around the receiving stuff, I'm not sure, that, that he didn't get that benefit that normally a 220-pound, sub-4-4, uh, ridiculously productive running back would have gotten in prior years in the NFL draft. Yeah, I think a big reason for that, I think there was some fumbling concerns with him. Also, I mean, he had some drops. Like, there were some concerns about him, you know, participating in the receiving game and also the fumbles as well. But I think regardless, like, a guy of his size with his athleticism and speed, like, can produce when you get the ball in his hands. I think one-cut type of runner, and if the offensive line gives him an inch, he's going to take a mile. That's how I kind of see what Jonathan Taylor can do. Kevin, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It sucks that Mike couldn't join us. He's just too busy. He's big-timing us. That's for damn sure. But regardless... (laughs) It's always good to have you on the pod. You're, you're outstanding on the mic. Make sure you follow everyone. Follow Kevin Cole on Twitter. Kevin Cole PFF. Also follow his work at PFF.com. He does great things. Kevin, thanks again. All right. Thanks, Austin. Awesome.